0: I was
1: like steadying myself on the brick wall, snot and drool just coming oh, down my face. Oh, poor Baron. Wow. Oh, it was so, because I was like, he loved her so
2: much. Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins.
0: Alright everybody, welcome to the Sincast, this is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Mahalo! And from Music Video Sins, Barrett Share.
3: Bonjour, allez vous Oh wow, you just You guys
0: me. are stepping up your game yeah. on the hellos. Yeah.
3: You trounced me. Yeah. I'm gonna, next time I'm gonna do the uh, mahalo from <laughs> Forgetting Sarah Marshall with <laughs> Jack McBrayer in bed, like, just, Mahalo! <laughs>
2: <laughs> um...
0: So TV is an entertainment uh, medium, right? Yes. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I heard TV is the thing this year.
0: <laughs> TV
3: is in. It's what Radio hot. is great, but now it's out of date.
0: <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so we thought we'd talk about TV today.
1: I was born to rule the seven kingdoms, and I will. I remember you saying something about doing the right thing. Well, it's never stopping me
0: again. Your so logo looks like a sideways vagina. I find that to be racist. You are the best home cooks between the age of 8 and 13. Ciao, come Bene, tu? Bene.
1: This fella
0: comes in. It wants a case of frozen orange juice concentrate. Can you make math from that? Not last I heard. Okay, well, let's see. I'd rather set fire to my vulva. So that's a no. <laughs> uh, and and the best and worst of. Um, I don't know if you guys are like me, but I don't watch as much TV as I used to. Or the thing that we call TV has been so redefined mm-hmm. with Netflix and Hulu and Amazon and all these a uh, handful of other like services that keep coming out. But uh, obviously, I think TV is in a renaissance period that i mean it's been going on for a while Mm. now um that actually eclipses movies
3: i think so there's Um, a lot of people that think that
0: yeah i mean well and it's mainly because tv has a chance to uh you know go over the characters and the story and everything in a in a compact season we're seeing this a lot with you know the the emergence of 10 to 13 episode seasons that very tightly condensed they don't uh spend 22 to 26 episodes like they have those throwaway episodes and everything yeah obviously there's still a lot of that there's still a lot of like network television out there that i don't watch at all no no
3: in fact when i find out a show i'm interested in lands at a network i get less interested (laughs) because they have so many more restrictions mostly due to advertisers, what have you. Netflix doesn't have to bow to any advertisers, Mm -hmm. right? They can make whatever the hell they want to make. Now, they have investors that I'm sure they have to answer to, but um, when you get to network TV, there's so many restrictions, and they're trying to serve that core audience that is too wide of a Mm -hmm. demographic that it just waters down everything that they do. That's why I'm much more interested in all the cable shows, FX, and their new shows, and... uh, hbo and stars i can't wait to dive into all this and I, I have a lot to say about american gods i know you do too barrett yeah yeah but uh yeah tv you got more intro i just interrupted well, and stomped on
0: no that's fine the the investment in those shows the amc shows the hbo so on and so forth and everything so much less with so much more payoff mm-hmm. And I know there's a lot of these shows that come out that everybody gets goes crazy about on networks like Scandal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, how uh, was it? How to Get Away with Murder? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, um, and recently, The Story of Us was a bit is, has been a big deal. Yeah,
1: Parenthood before that was was a big deal too. And no, it's not the story of a. This is Us. This, this is
3: the story us. of Us is that Bruce Willis. It is
0: <laughs> it's that, divorce movie. It's that Rob Reiner, Bruce Willis, and Michelle Pfeiffer oh, divorce movie. Wow. So, yeah, This Is Us is another one that, that has been, uh, like, everybody, you know, been around me has been talking about it and everything. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I mean, now I have a, a real investment here. <laughs> if I want to watch the show, there's a whole season now. Right. And it's 22 episodes.
1: Mm-hmm. What the networks are doing are now doing these mini seasons mm-hmm. and truncating it at the holidays. And I think I think Mad Men started this type of thing where they take – their mid-season hiatus, and then they'll come back six months later or three months later. Walking Dead does much, it every year, too. Walking Dead does it. So it's like you'll you'll say, like, is this still in the first season or is this still in the second season? And no, no, it's all it's all in the first uh, little bit because it takes a calendar year for it to go through. Well, yeah.
0: and I'm not sure if that... I mean, Mad Men did have... They split up their last season, just kind of mm. like how Game of Thrones is doing and everything, where they made more episodes than just a half but it was still basically a half of a yeah. season. So Mad Men did that in that last season, and then uh, I remember Lost doing this yeah. when the came back from the writer strike. Um, oh yeah, they you know they said, well, we've got we we've mapped it out for three more seasons. It's going to end right then and there. We know the ending. Of course, we all know how it happened. <laughs> um, but Fuckers. still, they didn't. <laughs> Still, they didn't have to come out with you know all these freaking episodes. They had they had a short season that they could just you know get everything. Of course, that was to their detriment by the end, I believe, because they had to explain a million fucking things that, and they just unsatisfyingly be like, "Oh yeah, voices in the forest are all the dead people who died on the island." They may as well have come out and just said that. They did! But
2: literally said that line. Yeah, yeah.
3: Um, Fucking lost. Yeah. Lost is the reason I am so reluctant to get into shows that are Mm -hmm. mystery-based. Because I know from the outset you're just going to feed me a That lost experience taught me that I'm going to get really into it and have all these wild theories and the payoff is never going to be worth it. So I'm just not going to invest myself in shows like that anymore. I'm looking for good drama, good comedy. I don't care about mystery. Fuck your mystery. No, but if you have a running narrative like Buffy the Vampire Slayer was expert about this,
1: they would have a they called it the big bad, but they would have like a a running theme all the way through the season and that it would be building up to. But each individual episode had its own conflict and had its own story, and that's how you make those things interesting. With Lost, it was just mystery after mystery after mystery. Not to say that I didn't love it at the time, yeah. up until the end, but like that was the premise, and you couldn't really expand much on it.
3: No, I agree. There have been a few shows in the last year or so that people have really started enjoying and glommed onto that I just can't. Because of my lost experience, I'm scarred. I don't <laughs> want to go down that much? road anymore. Because that <laughs> that finale to me was Seinfeld bad, mm-hmm. and a middle finger to me.
0: Yeah, <laughs> kind of was. And um. all
3: my theorizing.
0: But, uh, yeah, and then you had stuff like 24 kind of did that. You mm-hmm. know, like, but they were more about let's not start it in the fall. Let's start it in January. Still had about the same amount of episodes. They mm-hmm. just didn't have any like repeats and, and like long stretches of hiatus and everything like that. Um, but anyway, uh, we're in the here and now. And so, what are the TV shows that uh, we are enjoying right now?
3: Why don't you talk about American Gods? Oh, okay. Well, that doesn't answer his question because I'm hating this show. <laughs> I have watched. <laughs> Me too. Uh, how many episodes have there been? Five, four? Yeah, I think so. Somewhere, I've watched right? every one of them uh-huh. because I want desperately to get it. Mm-hmm. I, the first episode, I don't know if you saw Aaron Dicer's tweet, but it was something along the lines of descending into hell, but it tastes like chocolate or something like that. <laughs> <Was it describing laughs> I can see that. Yeah. Um, and it's it's so visually stunning mm-hmm. and the characters are very intriguing, but I am not into it. Nope. At all. It, it looks like a Zack Snyder movie. Doesn't well, the it? people who, who are, who are watching, I don't know what kind of viewership it's getting, but the people who are watching it that I see online are fucking loving it. <laughs> and I don't know if it's because they read this book or comic, whatever the fuck it was, mm-hmm. um, or if they're just seeing something there that I'm not. But I, I decided... The last one I saw Sunday, I think I'm just going to stop. I'm just going to. It may be greatness that I just don't get, but I don't see it there. I, I, the Zack Snyder thing is pretty apt.
1: Yeah, it's not translating because you're right. That first scene of like the Vikings coming over and, yeah. and this, this hyper bloody uh, battle and everything sets up a really interesting premise. And then it just runs out of gas. I mean, it's like, it's just breathless and i love ian mcshane yeah i love that character um the rest of them are, are perfectly fine um, but it just doesn't have the meat on the bone that it it, it almost thinks that it does though you
3: know That's it's like oh we got big ideas here but everybody's no. playing that their character's like this is important yeah <laughs> and it's just it's a little too have you seen any of this no nope. it's a little too much for me mm-hmm. and i feel like maybe if they camped it up a little bit yeah. Oh, I totally agree. I totally me, agree. Maybe took a, a little paid from Baz Luhrmann. Mm-hmm. And I think I might dive into that particular stew, but it's played so seriously yeah. and it just uh, it's fallen flat for me. I yep. don't get it. I agree. Um, anyway, so that's not that's not one I'm enjoying, <laughs> uh, but we are about to get uh, the next to last season of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And we just had a new trailer last week. I don't mm-hmm. know if you guys saw it.
0: I haven't um, seen it yet. It
3: looks awesome. <laughs> oh, Basically, uh, it's all coming to a head. This is not a show that's going to lost us. Right. In the sense that. We're just going to keep stalling and stalling. And then the show ends before winter comes. And before we get that, they're going to give us everything we want to see. We're going to see all the pieces come together in a massive war. Mm. And whoever is left is going to have to fight those fucking walkers. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) I love that show. I've never read the books. uh, But this is another Chris recommendation. I remember very vividly asking you. I remember which apartment I lived in at the time. Is this
0: Game of Thrones show any good? Mm
3: -hmm. (laughs) And you were like... Oh, uh, yeah, it's pretty good. And yeah, so I started watching it right then. I it was styled.
0: recommended to me. I didn't watch it from the beginning. I watched, I was like three episodes in. Somebody told me to watch it, and then, then that's when I started. But, um, but yeah, Game of Thrones is never really, like, uh, disappointed, I don't think. I mean, there might be some episodes here and there, and there might, you know, I think in the last season there was some criticism about it's, it's just taking so long to get to this point and blah, 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 but I – Uh, with a lot of these shows don't we aren't we there for the journey we i know that we're there to see like you know because it has they have episodes like the red wedding and everything where you're like oh my god i can't believe they did that and everything do you really want that every episode no it'd be overload no yeah Uh, you have to build up to it and that's why i think you know that's why when a when a series has grabbed you like this and it's sort of taking its time it's like you know at some point, it's going to pay off, and it almost always has, especially last season with yeah. that that tremendous finale. And I remember saying that on this pe- podcast, watching the next to last episode of that last season was like watching history unfold. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, and it was so exciting because you're the way it was done, mm-hmm. and and everything. You're just like for for thirty solid minutes, you're just like, oh, I can't believe this shit's <laughs> happening. Well, and this is, I
3: think, a very important point. Um, you know, there's a lot of business and financial reasons why TV is being redefined. But the big change is that they're starting to make shows cinematically, both in how they shoot them and the kind of budgets they put behind them and the kind of actors they cast. Um, and and Game of Thrones is the leading example of this because mm. these episodes feel like movies. Mm. And so we're getting movie quality uh, but we get a longer story. It uh, gives us more time to steep in these characters. My favorite thing about Game of Thrones is how frequently they kill someone off and bring in somebody I've never heard of, but somehow make that guy compelling and interesting mm-hmm. almost right away. Like, I remember somewhere in season two or three when Ramsay Bolton first showed up and a couple of key other people had died, and I was like, I don't want to follow this guy. I want to know what more about what this guy, but you killed him. But then within like three episodes, I was wrapped up in Ramsey as a villain. Of course, it paid off very nicely, mm-hmm. but they've just cycled through so many characters and houses and lands, and it has never gotten boring for me, even though the faces, Sean Bean, Mark Addy, that you know drew me in in the very beginning have been gone for a long time. I don't know how they do that, man. I don't know either. I it's- mean,
1: this is, this is peak... Tolkienish territory mm. of like, you really have to know where this location is and not only where it is, where it is in relation to all these other territories. Yeah, that's why
3: the opening to the show is so genius. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because it's a map, but it's also cool to look at. The music's great. And then every season when they introduce a new land, they roll that into the intro map. Mm. Um, and so I, I feel like the show does a really good job of positioning you. But you're right. It's tolkien in terms of what the world he's developed And, you know, think about all the shit from the books that's never even making it to the show (laughs) because this guy goes deep. Uh, from what I've heard, he's like Tom Clancy-esque when he starts describing something. Might go eight pages talking about a feast. Or... Yeah. I remember Tom Clancy books always killed me because I'm like, action, action, action. Oh, chapter and a half about this submarine and how it works. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm not as fascinated by that as you are, Tom. Yeah. Let's move on.
0: Um, but yeah, Game of Thrones, I'm sure. I mean, probably most of the people who listen to this podcast probably watch that. Is there a show out there that you don't think people are watching that they should? Ah. Hmm.
3: I have a good one. Yeah. Um, well, maybe not. I don't know if they're doing a second season. The night of. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh uh, Riz Ahmed. Yes. Um, DJ Riz. (laughs) And that's only eight episodes. One of my favorite things about TV these days is they don't really have to set themselves a limit based on number. They can do it based on story. This story we're going to tell only needs eight episodes. Um, I I bring it up because I had it had almost fallen off my memory, mm-hmm. but I was watching that Band of Brothers Memorial Day marathon off and on yesterday, and they kept running ads because tonight, of course, this podcast will come out six days from now, and you'll miss <laughs> it. But tonight they're starting uh, two episodes a night for the night of marathon, uh, and if you haven't seen it, uh, well, you won't be able to catch that marathon because it's over. But mm-hmm. you can go to HBO Go and watch it. You guys watch this? I did. Um, there are there are two plot strings towards the end of the series that are pretty ludicrous but yes what comes before it is so gripping
0: that is the problem hbo has right now with their eight episode miniseries one-offs or whatever is that they are trying to get this stuff wrapped up and it just i mean the night of i loved that show until those last two episodes and uh and i was like come come on you can't you cannot do this to this, to this show right now, to it is it is it really did end up taking me out of it. Yeah, like I ended up saying it wasn't good series
3: afterwards. Ah, I understand,
0: uh, but I I totally understand where you're coming from because it was a great series up until that yeah. point. Yeah, uh, and I was watching it every week and uh, excited about where it was going to be taken and everything. Same thing I think feel I feel like happened to Big Little Lies.
3: Ah, I watched that show as well.
0: And Big Little Lies was a, was something that was very intriguing for a while, and then by the time it gets to its point, like the whole story is set up, like you know someone has died, mm-hmm. you don't know who's done it, and you don't know why they've done it. It's just a bunch of people. It's flashback basically. Yeah. Um, and by the time it gets to that episode, you're like, oh, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> I guess that I guess that makes sense. I also I think all I the shit this. we just watched didn't really have much to do with that. But OK, I think I mentioned this maybe on the
3: podcast. That show also had a weird discord disconnect for me when they would do these modern day interviews with citizens and neighbors who were telling the stories to kind of fill in gaps about this mystery. Hmm. When it cuts to the women, Nicole Kidman and uh, Shailene Woodley, Reese Witherspoon, Reese Witherspoon. Yep. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty Gripped, and it's very cinematic and feels like real life. Mm-hmm. But then when they cut back to these interviews, they feel like cartoony. Mm-hmm. They feel like campy, and that was that was hard for me to, I guess, make work. Yeah, the last season of
1: American Horror Story did the same thing. That Roanoke. Thing. Oh, I've
3: never seen that. Show. It's
1: well, that what you're describing is a very similar thing to Ryan Murphy shows in general, mm-hmm. where it's got such an interesting premise. And it runs out of steam, especially mm. towards the end. And he has a nice subversive take on uh, reality TV and things like that, and uh, almost like gotcha punked type shows. But then when it when it hinges, when it the fulcrum is like the last half of it is just completely falls apart. Mm. So you know that that happens. It happens with the with the best of his stuff, and. Um, with the worst of it i guess the best example of him doing something well was the people versus oj yeah yeah but yeah. we all know how that's turning out so he had a nice firm story to, yeah to go on.
0: that was a i thought that was a fairly good mix of campy and reality at the yeah. same time now that is of course what ryan murphy is essentially going to be known for uh for the rest of his days as a producer i believe because even that other thing that he did that i can't remember the name of that has it's uh what was that uh glee feud was the other one Mm -hmm. but it's you know it's the joan crawford betty davis thing uh that you know he's obviously he's taken that sort of people versus oj model and it's like all right here's a little bit of reality and a lot of camp yeah you know this is tv guys people love it yeah they love it um okay so what are what are some really good ones right now the ones that uh i think the one that i'm watching the the drama that i'm watching the most right now is better call saul
1: yeah ah. uh
0: it's in its third season uh-huh uh the first season was a I, th- I think it was a good start and it was more saul based but then they started slowly introducing very breaking bad mm. storylines into the second season which uh, i like i mean i love breaking bad and i think everybody who watched breaking bad sort of had that you know without with for lack of a better word withdrawal mm-hmm. over the over the c- series ending and everything so now that they're seeing we're seeing all this before stuff it's kind of cool it also doesn't there's one thing about it though and that's is we know who's not gonna die yeah
1: okay yes the main character is mike herman Trout. Uh, Saul Goodman yeah and and Gus Frank um, and then a few of the other ones Hector Salamanca and, and a, f- a few of the the other ones but you still have these really super compelling characters like Nacho like uh, his brother Chuck mm-hmm. uh, Kim we don't know what happens to these people and oh, around Chuck the is a dead man oh yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> yeah but around like the fifth or sixth episode. I don't know how far it's in uh, of season 3 that's going on right now. It started to veer way into Breaking Bad territory. In fact, it was right when they introduced Gus Fring in this in this series. And I thought it was going to do the same thing of just it's just going to be prequelitis. But it's still super compelling to me.
0: And I don't want to I don't want to make this mention to say that I'm not being compelled no, to watch no, no. it. It's just that I know what happens to a lot of these characters. Mm-hmm. So so when so when they say oh we're going to do this and that I'm like okay well we know that fails. And the one thing that's good about better call Saul though is that it still makes it go there's still like some like element of it that makes it like oh we don't know exactly how mm-hmm. and they do a really good job of making those uh those scenes tense even though we kind of know that it's not going to happen the way that like the characters think it's going to mm-hmm. happen or whatever. Uh, I do think that they have the the was the last I think it was the last episode. uh, The last one was way more Saul centric Mm -hmm. finally. And that's a compelling story in its own right. It's Mm. just that I think they've just I don't know. They've abandoned him as a as a guy who's going to carry this whole series. Yeah,
3: I agree. I think it all started with Mike. Like when they brought in Mike, that's when the tone shifted to to be more of an ensemble piece which is frustrating because it the, 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 it started out so clearly to be about Saul. The show is named Better Call Saul, mm. uh, and we're certainly going to get Saul's journey. I'm not I'm not caught up on this season yet, um, but I will be, and mm. I'm sure it will be compelling. And you know, I'll enjoy it. I just I kind of wish it was less like Breaking Bad. Like mm-hmm. the episode that I remember seeing from this season, I think it was the last one I saw it, when he's in court. Uh, Cross examining his brother mm-hmm. and basically cuts to Huel. Mm-hmm. And you realize that yeah. Huel slipped the phone into this guy just like he did with when he stole Jesse's weed or whatever, right. or slipped the cigarette in. I didn't need that. Yeah. I didn't need that. Yeah. Like you probably could have done that a, a bunch of different ways. It's too winky. No.
1: Yeah. And I'll tell you what is very unlike this series in particular is when they ended on him with his first Saul advertisement mm-hmm. because he's still Jimmy McGill at this point. Yeah. And when he gets disbarred or suspended, then the final shot is call Saul Goodman. And it cuts to him and Kim just like, ah, oh, what do you think? And that stuff I could do without. Yeah. Um, but man, like just the, the lawyering in here, him hustling. Uh, I love the nacho character and how he's yeah. kind of finding his way with all this stuff. I don't It, I, I know when I'm going to put it on like I'm going to be like oh well that's just another kind of almost retread but every time I watch it man I'm sucked in. Yeah. Yeah. I need to catch up.
0: Well, It's just the way it's just the way they've got everything set up the way Breaking Bad used to do it and everything like that always have that good cold open Mm -hmm. that would go for 12 minutes and and you wouldn't even know that it was 12 minutes until the ad hit and you're, like, know. <laughs> and you're like oh shit geez yeah. a 12 minutes just passed and they do all these little fun things like you know um, they they they'll focus on like there's one episode where there's just a bunch of people mowing lawns outside, and then like the cameras on the lawnmower, mm-hmm. and you see like little parts of the lawnmower working and everything. And there's something about it that yeah. just I don't know what it is. It's sort of a magic trick how they just sort of wrap you into something, and it's just as something as mundane as lawn mowing or yeah. whatever. You well, know?
1: it's focusing on the minutiae. This is what Vince Gilligan and whoever is directing that particular episode is so great at. It'll be like the bottom of a coffee cup Mm -hmm. and seeing the perspective of of coffee being poured into it. Or like a toothbrush holder and like this hand coming in and just getting a toothbrush. And setting those things up in those unique camera angles is just – it just makes your eye want to catch more. And it's not what you see on regular TV. No,
3: no. But I think Vince Gilligan is uh – Pretty much uh, creative genius. Mm -hmm. I think we should let him do whatever he wants for a while. Yeah.
2: Yeah, (laughs) Uh, Another
3: (laughs) show that is great that I'm not caught up on this third season is Fargo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I am so confident after the first two seasons that I'm going to give season three a full recommend, even without having seen a single episode. (laughs) Um, It is the one that I'm not caught up on that I am most anxious to get caught up on. Uh, because season one was a big home run, and season two was a inside the park home run. Uh, they just took it up a notch and made my jaw drop. I can't wait to see what this. Th- Are you guys is caught up on the Is the inside the
1: park home run better than the regular home run?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Because it's rarer.
1: Oh, that's cool. Mm. I,
3: you
0: know, I like mm. that
1: analogy. I'm going to steal that. Mm. Cool. Right. I
0: don't. I don't think I like that
1: analogy. <laughs> 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 I'm sorry. I don't care if you're sorry. I like.
0: I, I like the. I like the Jose Canseco <laughs> off Randy Johnson <laughs> like. Destroyed the ball and hit the Sky Dome <laughs> roof type of home run, That's- but
3: there is something extra exciting if you see it inside the park. Oh one. yeah,
0: for sure. Remember
3: that Seinfeld episode where Paul o'neill promised had to promise to hit home <laughs> runs for the sick kids so they oh, to yeah, get the yeah. card back, and he hits an inside the park one, and the kids like that doesn't count. Yeah. <laughs>
0: no because it was an error on the third base yeah you're right you're right what's funny is you see the kid and he's like he's all into the he's all into it you think oh he that's gonna count for him that's gonna count for him and he's like nope (laughs) that's
1: a triple with a (laughs) an
0: error
3: oh man what else guys well can we talk about master of none yeah Oh, oh yeah please do man i like aziz
1: I love Aziz Ansari, and I actually watched the first season of this and was very, very entertained mm-hmm. uh, when it came out. It was it was fun, but it was still him doing his stuff, um, which his comedy is we all love. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got that that great sidekick, Eric. Um,
0: oh, uh, Eric Eric Wareheim.
1: Eric Wareheim, yeah, and and it just kind of seemed a little slice of life, funny, you know, that kind of thing. And then season two just came out uh, several weeks ago. And it's—I truly think—groundbreaking. I've never, I've literally never seen any TV like this before. It hits you completely out of nowhere, whether it's the theme, the style, and especially if you binge it, which I rarely do, have time to do. Uh, but if you watch one episode after the other, you could be watching a completely different series. Yeah, and it's—it takes each episode and breaks it down into, you know, a character-driven thing with. A really really smart script and he doesn't have to be the main character anymore in fact he's frequently not and in fact i would argue that the the lesser the weaker episodes are the ones with him as the star um the ones where his uh his best friend that he spent every thanksgiving with uh, who ends up coming out to her her mother is some of the like deepest shit that I've seen in, in forever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just told in a masterful way. you got Angela Bassett in that. you yeah. got this crazy kooky grandmother. Um, it's
3: it's really, really amazing. This is I a, cannot recommend it enough. This is one of those shows I haven't seen yet. Uh, and I, I will say the only drawback to Netflix type, this is a Netflix show, mm-hmm. right? Yep. Is that I know it's always going to be there. Yeah, So I don't have the urgency um, to get to it. And so a lot of Netflix shows end up on my, I'll watch that someday later. I'm sure I'm going to love it. Uh, And that's one, because I love Aziz and everything that he's done. He's funny in Parks and Rec. Chris and I went and saw him do stand-up here in Nashville. and He was hysterical. Um, So it's on the list. I just haven't, I can't weigh in on that one. Well, and
0: he Mm. obviously loved Nashville when he came. Because he made a whole episode in the first (laughs) season about going to Nashville. Oh, yeah? Like, taking his girlfriend, like, let's go on a date. to nashville wow yeah. and they flew down there to specifically be there did, and- they,
3: did they do any real life like look, did you spot any real locations oh, yeah.
0: yeah yeah they they stay at the hermitage hotel uh they go to a barbecue place that doesn't exist but it's based on it's based
1: on the the place off of centennial park uh, that has the white barbecue sauce
0: oh the uh hog heaven mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. okay
1: or at least that's the impression that I got. I, okay. I haven't I, verified that. I,
0: I I did not get that uh, impression because it looked like they were at sort of a, a bigger type of place. Mm-hmm. But who knows? Maybe maybe that is what it is. But um, anyway, yeah. There's that, and they even sort of refer back to that episode in the second season because oh, wow. they go and uh, try to find that that episode is about religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And it's a real. It's another really good way uh, of looking at uh, something like this because Aziz is playing a character who's not religious anymore he grew up he grew up with all it starts with a great like opening of yeah. showing like everybody doing their like religious stuff the parents are telling him to go to church and all that yeah. <laughs> and it's like even go to the scientology kid he's <laughs> like i do not want to learn about thetans today <laughs> <laughs> and uh and like so they they so the whole thing is about h- him coming to terms with it and saying, you know what? I'm not that religious anymore. His parents come in and want him to act, act for like, I guess it's his brother, or the, his um, uncle or yeah, whatever, yeah, yeah. his uncle and his aunt and, and, very, and strict Muslims. very strict, very yeah, yeah. strict Muslims. And they want they want him to act like he is at least anyway. And they don't really know. Maybe they suspect, but they they don't really know that he's not religious anymore. So like the whole thing is like oh yeah he's gonna sh- he's gonna sh- say I-, I make a stand against this and everything but it has a really good sort of a twist to it mm-hmm. and everything because that could be the whole episode it could be like oh I'm telling my parents that I'm not that religious anymore but it has a different sort of message yep. that I really liked about it that made that episode more than just that mm-hmm. and um and that was a great episode um. The they, they open up this season doing a black and white bicycle thieves oh homage. It's amazing. And it's so great. They yeah. and they're talking like they're speaking Italian mostly through it. And, and he reading. goes balls out. Yeah. I and mean, he
1: he has this this guy looks like he has no fear of anything. Like just immersing himself. So the thing is he moves to Italy. To work in a pasta shop to learn how to make pasta like the traditional way. The so, show is very based on food, by the way. He's a huge oh yeah, fan.
0: man, that's all throughout the whole yeah, season. Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, and so he goes out and, like, by the time we've we've dropped in on the beginning of season two. He's learned like passable Italian. Like half of it is really in Italian. Him speaking it and getting along with the locals, and you know, biking around everywhere, and really adopting the European lifestyle. Huh. It's really, really cool. Huh.
0: And and, uh, and yeah, and this season has him at the very beginning of it. Like he gets a job doing this uh, cupcake competition show, <laughs> Cupcake <ship>. Wars, Cupcake <laughs> Wars. And it's and it's an interesting sort of dynamic too because he's a he's a wannabe actor. And there's a point where Bobby Connival kind of is playing like this uh, uh,
1: Bobby Flay type Bobby of Bobby Flay, yeah, yeah, yeah. or
0: uh, was it uh, one of those, you know, one of those kind of guys' type of personalities. And he comes up to him in one of the episodes and says, "We're going to get you in here. We, you, you, uh, your ratings have gone up or been steady for the entire season. How about an eight-year contract? Mm-hmm. Which sounds great only that you would be but only that you'd be on this cupcake yeah for eight years and it's and so a lot of that has been him sort of negotiating <laughs> the
1: greatest scene he comes in he's like he tells him you know this is a bit of a spoiler he tells him i don't really feel like this is what yeah i, I want to do for eight years i really appreciate the opportunity i, I just don't want to do it and he's like fuck you come in here and you put your balls on my desk. <laughs> that is beautiful. Like you wiped
0: the desk clean and stuck your balls on my desk. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it I haven't I have not gotten all the way through this season yet, but it's uh it is fantastic. And you said it's not like anything you've seen. I think Aziz is sort of following in the footsteps of Louis C.K. who mm-hmm. who, you know, Louis is a show that um i don't think they i I think fx pretty much said whenever you're ready to do another season (laughs) we're we're happy for you to do it and he's been like doing his other stuff yeah um but louis ck sort of uh did that with his with his tv like he's basically said i'm tired of the same sitcom shit uh, let's do something a little bit more, even though it's not like complete comedy when it, ha- when it happens, it's still something like beautiful and arty and mm-hmm. that type of thing. And I think Aziz Ansari sort of followed in the footsteps of Louis C.K. with the show.
1: He has, and it's definitely sweeter.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah you know definitely there's, there's such not any a hard like, edge super depression to, to oh louis. my god
1: yeah <laughs> louis do you like louis
3: i, I watched a few episodes I, I it didn't ever grab me enough yeah but i probably didn't give it the attention it deserved either yeah it's subversively funny but it it takes a long road to yeah get there.
0: yeah yeah um you were gonna say something about this this uh this woman that's in master of none the, the actress is named alessandra masternardi yeah
1: so she is, uh, and, and if you haven't watched the last few episodes of it, they're, they're very her centric. Mm-hmm. Um, and what happens at the end of this—the reason that I said that the episodes really featuring Aziz Ansari are, are the worst ones, um, even though they're still great—is um, it turns into like kind of just a, a romantic comedy mm-hmm. um, with hers engaged and him chasing after her, mm-hmm. and that's territory that's been done before he does it in a great way mm-hmm. but she turns into manny manic pixie dream girl yeah, at the yeah. end, and she's european and she can she's so free and it's okay to flirt and everything but i have a boyfriend and it's you know it's it, you know he's this unattainable uh manic pixie dream girl thing, right. and we've seen that shit before that's the only thing that that kind of annoys me about it but it, it's still it's still very good yeah all right and well, she is beautiful
0: oh she's drop dead gorgeous <laughs> she is uh unbelievable um all right so what else is out there
3: i want to go trashy but before we do that can i talk about silicon valley a little bit oh yeah. yeah of all the shows i'm actively keeping up with i think this is my favorite and i would call it the best mm-hmm. veep is still hilarious mm-hmm. but it's not firing on all cylinders like it once was well and i feel like silicon valley is still at the top of its game
0: sort of a, as an aside to veep veep uh has got the julia louis dreyfus character now she's she's gone through this whole stuff in the in all the seasons she was vice president she was president yeah and then she because of some weird united states you know bullshit election type of type of stuff (laughs) she's not president anymore. hanging chads were involved i believe right she's not president (laughs) anymore and so this whole season has been her as a former president trying to get recognition basically she still like craves recognition but it's obvious all the characters are so far like they're so low now that man some of the dialogue that they're being sometimes it's just like it's just vicious it's mean it's just uh you know and they're, and they're, and that's way Veep has kind of always been mm-hmm. But there was always just a little bit. Uh, I don't know. They found a way to be like balanced yeah. on that a bit, and now it's like it's just way in the muck.
3: Yeah, it definitely a, is. And
0: it's still funny, like you said. But good god, man, there's <laughs> some stuff that sometimes they're just like, you know what? I'll just uh, I'll just throw as many like weird like you know body parts and yeah. like you know bodily functions into this one insult that I can, you know? <laughs> yeah.
3: Whereas Silicon Valley, um, I just I feel like it's at the top of its game still. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I I think we talked about this recently and even praised Jared and some of the other characters. But I was watching it Sunday and I I was laughing the whole way through. Now, I've realized the formula. Mm-hmm. And that may be a bad thing, because when I realized the formula of entourage is when I started to enjoy it slowly, less and less. <laughs> Once I realized every up is going to be followed by a down, yeah. every down is going to be followed by an up. And we're just going to you know go every few episodes with these people winning, then losing, then winning, then losing. Yeah. And that's going to happen to these to poor Richard till the show's over. Right. Um, but. I'm still finding it wildly entertaining. And Jared is, did you see the previews for next week's episode where Mm -hmm. Jared is impersonating some hard ass boss that doesn't exist. (laughs) And he's like doing a different voice. And he's like, I hope that pussy Jared didn't keep you on hold for too long.
0: (laughs) I know Zach Woods is always like, uh, he's, he's always got the most dynamic stuff in there. And I, and and I don't know how much of his stuff is written. I know that he does a lot of improv and everything, but but uh, every time he starts talking about something that happened in the past, or it's always funny. Yeah, like you know, he he was he, they're talking about the. Uh, they're building something, and he's like, he's like, oh no, the scam is when after they build it, like when you rent it to somebody, when you rent this, (laughs) rent it to somebody who actually no, you you rent it to somebody who turns out to be a squatter or something (laughs) like that. It's like this. He's got this. He's got this really ridiculous backstory. Like if we were to piece together all the things that were happening to Jared (laughs) over the years, you know, it would just it wouldn't add up. But they're great.
3: And all the I feel like all the side characters are great. Like the deadpan woman at the VC firm yes um, she's great the Suzanne Cryer yeah the guy who runs Hooli yeah uh, the ve- investor jock dickhead who drives a Lamborghini <laughs>
0: yeah, he's great
3: <laughs> all of the side pe- pieces are working now they've announced that next season um, Bachman won't be on
0: oh Ehrlich Bachman T.J. Miller
3: yeah T.J. Miller will not mm. be on season five I don't know if that means there's fallout or mm. if it just means after Deadpool he's too expensive and wanted too much money or wants Mm -hmm. to do something it it probably
0: means that i'm I'm gonna assume that most of the time you don't just leave a show like that unless it's because you now have ways to make more money and And
3: i i love that character but i think they can they've proven like game of thrones they can move pieces around and bring in new faces and keep the the tone of the show like i'm a i'm as ready to crown mike judge you know comedic genius as i am Mm. vince gilligan dramatic genius Mm -hmm. between king of the hill uh, his movies, and now this. Uh, there's something th- I like this guy's sense of humor a lot. Oh, yeah, yeah
1: man. Office Space, Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. Oh, all that stuff. Even yeah. Uh, yeah. Idiocracy.
3: Idiocracy. Oh, yeah. Um, or even Extract, which I didn't like as much the first time I saw it, but has grown on me. Yeah,
1: yeah, it's pretty uh, funny.
3: He's got a great sense of humor. I'm, I'm going to go on whatever ride he wants to take me. Mm-hmm. All right, now you want to get trashy? Let's do it, baby. I love me some real world. <laughs> I have loved me some real world since the beginning of the real world. That is yes. something
0: I have never watched. Okay, What?
3: Every season is the same. Yes. Mm-hmm. Beautiful people, angry people, Yep, young people who love to fucking party. <laughs> people start fucking, secrets, breakups, fights. Uh, it's just... I come because it's so familiar, <laughs> right? And every season starts the same. I'm, they'll introduce everybody as they're all, you know, arriving by taxi at the fancy house or checking out the three bedrooms or whatever and ooing and aahing at the pool table. I'm like, I don't think I like these people as much. Yep. They're beautiful, but yep. I don't like them as much as last season. And within like three episodes, I'm like, she's such a bitch. Yeah, Why is she always doing that? <laughs> this guy's such a monster. How can they not see this? I just, I get, I just, Hook, line, and sink with <laughs> me every time. What's funny
1: about that is that the next episode, those two people that have gotten into a huge fight will be like in the hot tub together, yeah, exactly. like <laughs> you know, smoking a season. joint or something.
3: Wow. <laughs> like, I think the Las Vegas season. <laughs> well that was one season i think it was that one the very first episode the first night in the house two girls are making out in the hot tub yep. with their tops off yep. that's,
0: the, that's the thing about those shows there's a reason why I, I never really have been drawn to it although i did watch one season of big brother when it was out mm-hmm. Oh, okay well similar um, i think it there. is similar yeah um I, the only reason i did watch it though i'll get to that in a minute but like the the like the real world i i'm just too hyper aware everything is manipulated and like a lot of things are manipulated like
3: well especially recently because they've been they've been trying to make the show more popular by mm-hmm. doing twists so they'll go half a season and then everybody's ex-girlfriend moves yeah. into the house or yeah. some yeah. shit. Uh, it's really <laughs> manipulated then
0: yeah and uh, and so so i feel like a lot of times like it, it might be the smallest of things and they get in a, what do you feel about that no mm. really what do you feel about they probably get them into a, a lather about some of this shit and then the, and then it mm-hmm. looks like it's way more dramatic than it is or whatever but yeah who knows i mean i'm sure that there's some real stuff in there too and whatever but i i i, I a lot of times i watch those shows and i'm just like get over it
2: <laughs> just get over your <laughs> fucking bullshit
0: um big brother was like that i i was watching that for one of it was a season that was like maybe 10 years ago or something but they also had like on Showtime later that night. They had the After Dark Big Brother or whatever. <laughs> I so I would watch it and I'd be like, "Oh, it's really it's kind of interesting <laughs> because because it, it all it was was just uncut for uh, two hours wow. of them after the show, and and it, and and you see a lot of things like, oh, they're they're kind of like not acting like they do on the actual show oh it was just the feed of the house like going yeah and 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 so like yeah the camera will just cut over to something thing and yeah every once in a while there'll be somebody that goes to the shower and they'll linger on them in the (laughs) shower or whatever but but most of the time they're like they the people are savvy enough to be able to like you know like have the towel ready and everything (laughs) like that but uh but like you you're sitting there you're watching it and it's like like oh yeah they kind of interact a little bit differently Mm -hmm. when it's not the the edited together show that they come up with and everything
3: well and even i've always thought with real world it's they probably manipulate their season a lot through casting Mm -hmm. because i'm sure they have thousands of beautiful people that apply yep and they're going to find the right mix of people with secrets and triggers and backgrounds and sexual differences and what have you that that will basically make it A kindling waiting for a spark. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it happens every season. It does. Can we stay with MTV for a minute? Yep. I don't think it's as trashy, but I do love that catfish show. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I am. I am. I want to say this and not sound mean. I am baffled there are this many people. Having relationships with people they've never seen, met or talked to. And are surprised that they're being scammed.
1: Mm-hmm. The the it's the way of the world. That's though, what right? I'm saying. Yeah. The
3: desire for love mm-hmm. and to be comforted and have the safety of love is so fucking strong. Mm-hmm. And and every one of these people, except for you know, every season you get like an episode where somebody was just fucking with them, trying to get on the TV show mm. or what have you. Um, <clears throat> every time they're devastated. And I feel so bad for them because they want it so bad for it to be real. And logic just goes out the window at a certain point. Um, Some of these people are married already, having text conversations. They've never talked to this person on the phone even. Yeah. But they're in love. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you think about it, virtual communication is almost as real as
1: real communication, as weird as that sounds at this point. We interact more via even the three of us, we interact more via text or email sure. than we do face to face.
3: I never and, fucking and so, call you guys. Well yeah, and who calls? Yeah.
1: <laughs> who fucking talks on the yeah. phone anymore? But uh but yeah, I mean I could see that happening, especially some of these are like in, you know, across the country yeah, or like even in different countries and things like that, where that becomes real. Like you, you cultivate this personality and this relationship in a method by which you forget how what the method is Mm -hmm. like you're just like oh well that's that's my my guy or my girl have you ever seen the show oh yeah okay so have you no i saw saw the the movie movie. yeah Yeah. Uh, chris and i were both very disappointed yeah what's so funny to me about
3: (laughs) it is the show every episode shows you exactly what to do Mm -hmm. if you want to find out if the person you're talking to is real They go, every episode, they do an image search on Google of the images this person has sent. They do a reverse lookup on the phone number and who it's registered to. And this is how they always find the thread that leads them to the right person. Mm -hmm. You could do that. Yeah. If you're in a relationship with someone who won't video chat with you and has never sent you a picture or, I don't know. You You just don't want to. Google that shit, but it it might ruin the illusion. exactly And kill the dreams.
0: It it illustrates your point, though, about how people want so much for this to be real and they they love the way they feel about it and everything that they're willing to they and there's more knowledge about it than there ever was, yeah. it was how many seasons has this been on now it's been on for a, a while.
3: fifth season i think
0: yeah and, and and so now there's like tons of knowledge about this happening but people uh even though they know it might be happening to them and everything they're
3: they're still <laughs> this is a- this is a twisted turn, but it's like that To Catch a Predator show because there were a couple of guys on that show, as soon as they yeah. got caught, they were like, oh, I knew it was that show, uh, yeah. or I knew it was To Catch a Predator. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, well, the desire there was so strong, it yes. overwhelmed oh all God. reason.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
3: <laughs> Any other trashy talk we want to talk? Trash? Trash? Well, I mean, I, I'll throw in <laughs> the, the
1: challenge on oh. MTV. <laughs> so, okay, so the challenge is... One of my favorite shows to watch. And, of course, yes, it's trashy and everything. There's two things that I like about the challenge. One is there is a real tangible winner and loser on each episode where they have to participate, whether it's a ridiculous challenge or whether it's, like, an actual physical, like, you got a ball in the center of a pit and you have to, like, strangle it from, from somebody else. That's, like, an actual, like, some of them are thing. pretty. I've seen a lot
3: of episodes of this show.
1: The other thing that this show does is they acknowledge the influence that the producers have over the cast. Mm-hmm. And they'll somebody starts freaking out. They'll literally be focused on a storyline and somebody will start screaming in the next room. And they'll cut to that person that's screaming in the next room. She's literally by herself. And the rest of the cast will come in and say, so you're just trying to get your screen time right now, right? <laughs> and she's like, no, what are you talking about? And I'm going to leave. And the producer will come in and be like, Are you really trying to get your screen? We'll give you screen time. Can you just let us finish up this story?
3: (laughs) (laughs) What I think is funny about the show is, if I'm I'm wrong, correct me, but I believe when it began ages ago, Mm -hmm. it was like real world versus road rules. And they got good enough ratings. They did it again. Mm -hmm. And eventually they... There's a couple dozen people that have become known as reality stars just for being on this challenge show. So much so that this season they're doing a challengers
1: versus professional athletes. Jesus. And it's not as lopsided as you think. They've taken out like Sean Merriman, like the ex-NFL linebacker. They're going against like Lolo Jones and like all these snowboarders and everything. And they're holding their own just because... The challenge is not always physical. It's also about like who can handle their alcohol better, and like well, that's the who's thing. Not it's sucking like, on somebody's dick. <laughs> this show is the
3: challenge elements from Survivor uh-huh. with the in the house interactions and drinking from Real World. Yep, basically exactly. is the premise of this exactly. show. Um, and I have watched it just because I recognize some of those faces from Real mm-hmm. World seasons. Or I don't. I don't watch it every week. But <laughs> if I miss the Real World, I'm like. Oh I got to watch the real world. Um, Okay, less trashy, but I still want to talk about my food shows. Oh, Uh, yeah. Top Chef, whenever that comes back, uh, you can count on me to watch every single goddamn episode. Yep. Best food show on TV. Second best, Tiny Chefs, otherwise known (laughs) as Master Chef Junior. Now, most people, I think, at this point realize Gordon Ramsay has sort of a rougher reputation in america than he does in the uk mm-hmm. uh, because most of his shows early on in america were him screaming and cussing and calling people donkeys and that's because mm-hmm. that's what american audiences want to see like if you ever want to see a bad food show watch hell's kitchen yeah mm-hmm. this is uh, <laughs> gordon terrible. ramsey's version of top chef only it's just him screaming and none of these people ever look qualified to do anything more than run a griddle i've never understood that
0: about hell's <laughs> kitchen it's so baffling to me i i want i used to watch hell's kitchen i like the first three or Four seasons of it I watched it Um, But it was always So baffling to me Man Like these people Would get in the kitchen And they'd start making stuff And they'd always Fuck it up And I was like Serving, like, raw chicken and shit like that. Yeah, this. I'm yeah. like, I'm sitting there going, how in the world are you a cook? You know, like, <laughs> and how did you get selected for the show? Oh, yeah.
3: that's why. And I love, like, what <laughs> they always have, like, one or two celebrities in the dining room. Yeah. And it's always like, R&B star Maya. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, people who were, like, famous 14 years ago. <laughs> NBA star Robert Ori. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But but Gordon Ramsay has a very gentle nurturing side. You can you can see it on the UK version of Kitchen Nightmares. Mm. You can see it on YouTube videos with his daughter where he's teaching her how to cook scrambled eggs and various things. And you can see it on MasterChef Junior. Um, It's a completely different side of him. And these kids are badasses. They make shit I can't even pronounce. And they're like eight years old, nine years old. You ever cry? at the end of these i cried when that girl this season dropped her thing on the floor and she thought she was going to go home and she stopped cooking and she just bawled uncontrollably and she finally got it together she's like eight yeah she finally got it together presented a dish and there was one that was way worse and she got to stay she started crying all over again dude you have you have convinced me fully on this show and
1: i've watched a, a few of them and then like a clip episode I
3: was fucking bawling. Yes, yeah. yeah. and because And what's great about this show is because they're kids and the world hasn't taught them to be cynical assholes yeah. yet, they support each other. They're always
1: doing like group they hugs. Wa- they want to
3: win, of course. Everybody does, but they support each other and cheer for each other and cry with each other. And it's incredible. It's yeah, like, it and then they, of course, the original show was Master Chef and it's mm. supposed to be the best home cook in America. I don't know how you determine that. Again, mm. you. You can put in there whoever you want, and I'm not going to know the difference. Um, but even on that show, it's not the same. No. It, it's still better than like a Hell's Kitchen kind of thing mm-hmm. or what have you. But there's something special about these kids, especially that finale when they cook in the round mm-hmm. and they make three courses and everybody, all their families and former teammates are up on the balconies cheering for them. God, I love this show. It just gives me the warmest fuzzies. Yeah. I know it makes me sound like a big weirdo. No, but it's awesome. It's fantastic. All right, Chris, what else do you want to talk about?
0: Well, I guess there's a... Now, I'm not going to be able to talk very long about it, but a friend of mine has told me that The Leftovers is the best television show. I hear the same thing. And I watched the first season, a couple of episodes, and I was like, I don't know if I can get into this. But... Every week that guy texts me and he's like, dude, you got to get on this leftovers, man. And it's, I think it's on its last season. It's in three, it's going to have three seasons ultimately. Um, And, and, and like a lot of these episodes that have been coming out lately, have apparently like broken twitter a few times or not you know mm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. like they're they're one of those type of things where everybody's talking about it afterwards and everything so now like whenever i like watch Silicon valley and everything i have that two minutes of leftovers yeah. that's just done that i have to sit there and like forward through it without <laughs> without looking and everything um and uh and but but Uh, I do want to bring that up because maybe it's just sort of a self-motivation thing. I'm going to have to go watch the show since now I've heard so much good stuff about it. I
3: watched the first five episodes of the first season and couldn't get into it. Mm -hmm. And I think even people who love the show will tell you the second season is really where the quality kicked into high gear. Mm -hmm. And I also think a lot changed as far as like setting. And I think they jumped time at least once. Um and this is a JJ Abrams or Damon Lindelof. Yeah, it's Damon the, Lindelof. Yeah. Um, so you know, we we were wrapped up in Lost. Um, yep. Well, and he uh, he's very good at building worlds and shows that that pull you in. I may have to go back to it, too. I just, that first season didn't grab me.
0: Same here. And that's why I didn't end up watching the rest of it. And then I, I was actually very surprised when I saw it came back on the second season. And then the third season came out of nowhere. I was like, oh, that's still going on. I, <laughs> this is the show. thought nobody of, liked
1: this. This is the show about people left on Earth after yeah, the after yeah. rapture or something?
0: Yeah. yeah um but uh i've i've heard that this season is uh is it's getting those type of breaking bad type of raves where it's you know it's the best show on television yeah it gets a
3: lot of critical praise um Mm.
0: do people i've i've watched one episode of the walking dead in my life Mm. Uh, oh really yeah and you don't need to do anymore and it's what it's now it's in its eighth or ninth season Eighth,
3: seventh i watched Somewhere around there, three and a half seasons before I finally walked away. But I was hate watching for a good season there.
1: Yeah, I lasted until about season five, and it just became so such a miserable experience to watch that I was like, I I have enough misery in my life. I don't need to see it on TV. Yeah, (laughs) there was a point the the point where I turned it off was where to conserve their energy the survivors were literally like nudging walkers into a ditch instead of like axing them in the head or shooting them or something like that. And I was like, why the fuck am I watching this? This is horrible. (laughs) And I understand that it's, it's got new storylines and it follows the comic series and everything, but I just can't, I can't keep it up.
3: I hope to hell that nobody in my wife's Sunday night hangout group listens to this podcast because (laughs) when the walking dead is on, when it's running new episodes every Sunday night, Anywhere from three to seven girls in this group get together and watch The Walking Dead, and they all bring food and what have you. Uh, My wife was originally into it because of the, you know, kind of the way it plays with cultural norms and whatnot Mm. in this post-apocalyptic kind of But now she hates it. Yeah. (laughs) She can't stand this show every Sunday that it's on. She's like... I want to go and hang out with everybody. I just, I really don't like this show.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those shows that I think that every time it's in a new season, I'll I'll go to Facebook and somebody will be like, "Oh my god, did you see this shit that just happened yeah, and all yeah, that yeah. And it like- gets
3: viewers out the ass. Like mm-hmm. it dwarfs what Breaking Bad ever did in mm-hmm. terms of viewers. I think it gets 14-15 million viewers a week. That's crazy. Um, yeah. So it's it's insanely popular. Yeah. must be doing something right for people that aren't us. But, <laughs> yeah. You know, I walked away. I would not encourage you go any deeper than that one episode.
0: Um a- as far as other shows that I could bring up. I brought up Love before and mm-hmm. Love is a show that's on Netflix. It's had two seasons Uh, i now that is essentially a typical romantic comedy type of show judd apatow's a producer on it and everything i do think it's a fun show i wouldn't go out and say you need to see this show right now but um it is very it's a it's a fun light you can get through seasons easily you know 30 minutes whatever not a not a problem um i think it does have a a pretty good realistic look at relationships and how they can you know they can build up or break down based on some of the smallest things Mm -hmm. the first season is is this the main guy paul rust and then there's gillian jacobs uh they're sort of just buddies or whatever and there's and there's sort of an idea that they might get together or whatever but like not really anything strong The second season Uh, it's dealing with a lot of shit and everything, and they do kind of get together, and they're and but there's so many little like those little things, man, Mm -hmm. that just trip people up a lot of times, and then and and people start resenting each other and all that. Uh, but there's a lot of fun stuff in it. It is very, I mean, it's I don't know if it was it's very Apatovian or whatever, Mm -hmm. but it's it's, I like that word, yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, it, it is it is a it is a fun show to watch. It's and the main character Paul Rust, he's he is the ultimate like leading nerd man that I've mm. ever seen. You know, like he's got that perfect nerd look and everything. And, uh, and, uh, and he's just all, he's just, he's just like undyingly sweet type of guy and yeah. everything. And you just rooting for him. But you also know that a lot of the things that he's doing are going to fuck this up. You mm. know, like, you know, it's, it's an unfortunate thing.
1: Huh. You know? Um, I feel like he could keep, Mining that territory in different ways. I mean, Master of None does that. Mm-hmm. Did you guys ever see You're the Worst? No. No. It was an FX comedy. I think it went through two or three seasons. I heard it
0: was great too.
1: Watch the first episode of this, and it's it's supposedly like you know a take on a new generation of how people interact when they're using social media and that kind of thing. And the first one of the first scenes just got stuck in my head. Uh, these two, the two main characters, meet at a wedding, and they end up you know they're both like terrible people it's the, the title and you know they're just kind of nihilists, and you know existing in this new age and they go one goes home with the other one and they start having sex and the guy starts giving the girl oral and uh, he he takes a break and he and he spits <laughs> <laughs> and she stops and she's like why did you spit on it and he was like what's the difference there's saliva down there anyway and she's like oh alright <laughs> And you can. First of all, this is on like basic cable, which I think is hilarious. But it's it's kind of like the pornification of the new generation of how you
0: have sex with each other. I thought that was. Yeah. Why did you spit on it? (laughs) No, I heard this show was actually really good, <laughs> hilarious. And, and, uh, and I just haven't been able to watch. There's a lot of shows <laughs> nowadays that I'm not able to, to just get into, but that's what's so lovely about the day and age we live in. That's yeah. right. Too much good content. You, it's, it's so much good content, and you can carve out time anytime. You don't have to sit there. It's not like 1985, where you're like... Yeah. Yeah, you, know, like <laughs> you said the VCR. Shit, you know I can't watch the show now because it's uh, you know it's all it's already gone. Got to wait for reruns. Yeah. Um. Uh. There's another. There's another show that I started watching. I haven't gotten all the way through. It's it's three short seasons. Rick and Morty. Oh, yeah. oh
3: Jesus! The internet's gonna love you for saying that.
0: Yeah. Um. So I've. I've of course, I've heard about this show forever. Yeah. Like. I, and I just. For whatever reason i just i've been i don't know i've not been actively avoiding it or anything it's just that my during my times of trying to watch adult swim it's never on mm. and then when you watch something that's sort of in the middle of its se- season or whatever you're like eh. i mean it's a type of show that will refer back to a lot of stuff that happened in earlier episodes and so you don't need to know those episodes to enjoy it or anything but it is an ultimate nerd comic fantasy, basically. Like, you know, it's got that back to the future sort of structure to mm-hmm. it. But, um, but there's all sorts of sci fi this thing covers, and there's like a lot of really interesting, uh, uh there's a lot of interesting plots that they come up with. And it is always something just crazy. Like there's, you know, uh, there's one episode in the first season where they're talking, there, there's a TV that has unlimited channels, unlimited possibilities. Mm -hmm. So like they're flipping through and they like, actually see other versions of themselves (laughs) and everything. And like, you know, and, and a big thread through this first season, I'm sure it's throughout the whole series is that the mom and dad, are obviously in that point in their relationship where like they're maybe having to talk about getting a divorce and everything and there of course there's a lot of dark humor involved with that too but uh there's you know there's stuff like where they're seeing what their lives are like without each other on these on this TV and everything oh, and they're wow. trying to find you know they're trying to figure out you know it's it's fun stuff like that um uh but uh so far so good for Rick and Morty it's a funny I figured show i think that's right
1: up your alley like yeah. in terms of the animation the concept and the humor oh the yeah and, it's and dan Harmon, isn't it dan Harmon.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah and uh, and I, I i watched all community when it was on uh back in the day you know? but these
1: animated shows like for somebody who doesn't smoke pot you ha- you have the most stonerific sensibilities
3: with, mm-hmm. <laughs> with animated <laughs> you're comedy. absolutely right man you just outed him as a non-stoner bearer. oh i'm right? yeah. sorry <laughs> you <laughs> totally you smoke all the marijuana yeah. <laughs> it's no, cool but, to be a stoner now no <laughs> it's it's
0: true but i i think uh i think i have the same hours as a stoner (laughs) (laughs) i think that's what it is uh is that uh you know i'll flip through tv and be like adult swim all right i'll watch (laughs) that i'll give that i'll give anything a shot um you know adult swim has changed a great deal since it first became a thing um you know there's shows sometimes that come on and i'm like oh this must be brand new And then I'll find out that it came out in like 2007, and they're just replaying episodes of it. And you're like, I don't even remember this show at all. Why are you now replaying it? It doesn't make any sense to me. And they have a lot of these like live action shows that are just purposefully terrible. Mm -hmm. And I I just don't, I don't get it. You know, I'm just, I, I get it. I get it that they're what they're going for. Like they're going for that camp. But when you go for camp, though, it's hard to make it good. Mm -hmm. You have to be serious about what you're... I've always said, when you're doing camp, you have to to be unknowingly doing it. You have to be serious about material that shouldn't have this kind of weight to it. Mm. And that's what you accidentally come up with comedy based on that and everything. I guess sometimes you can make... There's been some, I guess, some successful... Shows on Adult Swim that have dealt with that and everything. uh One of them was the you know we were talking about Eric Wareheim. I'm gonna go Tim and Eric. Yeah, yeah. Which I hated. I couldn't. Oh, really? I hated uh, that. I thought that was funny. Oh my god, I hated it so much. <laughs> um, There's a lot
3: of cringe humor.
0: Well, yeah, that's the thing. I I, I think I, I'm fine with some cringe humor, but you know it gets to the point where like, okay, I get your joke. You got one joke basically, <laughs> one joke, and I'm I'm mean, all right. I got it. Okay, I understand everything is bad everything's terrible everything's public access tv i get it um uh any every, every once in a while it would be something funny but you know i just couldn't get into it like a lot of people but um but uh, yeah anyway yeah adult swim I'll, I'll i have like phases where i'll watch it every night and then i'll be gone for months and then i come back and oh yeah adult swim um ooh, family guy you know <laughs> what is this family guy yeah. show <laughs> Um, any other shows out there that you guys want to talk well, about? Well, this may be a good segue
1: into our next segment. Actually, yeah, but, well, you actually mentioned uh, one of the shows that maybe people aren't watching enough, and Documentary Now yes. is one of my favorite oh, shows. I
0: love Documentary Now,
1: and it spoofs a lot of the things that we're about to talk about. If it's now on Netflix, I don't just wanted to mention it. If you haven't seen it, and there's a reason for this. I don't want to get derailed too much. I think IFC programming the the show programming i think has a niche Mm -hmm. portlandia has a portlandia audience documentary now has a documentary now audience it's not wide-ranging i don't think right no no it's niche but i think with in particular documentary now it's so varied and it's so hilarious back to front that it's worth checking out
0: yeah, and and I think uh, a lot of things with uh, I think some problem that people might have getting into documentary now is that sometimes you do need to know the documentary that they yep. are taking off on in order for you to truly have a good time. Now, luckily for me, I have watched most of the documentaries they've ta- they've mm-hmm. taken off on. Uh, some I haven't, but the ones that I haven't, I still enjoyed the episode. Mm-hmm. But if anything, just go watch it because Bill Hader and Fred Armisen are so it's amazing. fucking terrific. Yep. Bill Hader's do, I think Bill Hader does his best work he's ever done on documentary now. Oh, <sighs> yeah. You oh. may be right. Yeah. Especially when they do that kid takes the picture takeoff oh, and he's playing basically Robert Evans. Yeah. That is fucking amazing. Really Bill is. Hader is great in that, in that, in those episodes, and he's great in all the episodes. But he's—I'm sorry—he's
1: the best of the James Carvel characters. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Were they doing the uh, um, the um, the War Room? Yeah, take off the War
1: Room, and Fred Armisen is George Stephanopoulos, and he's James Carvel, and he's like, I've been called a lot of things: the Texas Tornado, the Mississippi Mud Slinger, suspected arsonist. <laughs>
0: i mean there's some just there's some gold there and if you can if as i think if especially if you're into documentaries and i think documentaries have sort of taken off over the past couple of years Mm -hmm. thanks to thanks to a lot of the stuff that's on netflix now Mm -hmm. and everything i think people are really getting into the genre now where they weren't before um uh if you can get and watch some of those classic documentaries and then watch documentary now you don't have to mm-hmm. but you really you'll find a show that is tremendously rewarding so it is a good segue into yeah. what we're about to talk about this is our movie club. You,
3: can find me in the club
1: you should join our club you and your friend
0: now if you're not going to take this seriously perhaps we should disband the club now
1: <laughs> <laughs>
3: i love being a part of things
0: yeah Yay. welcome back everybody yeah yeah yeah, yeah uh so movie club this week we'll be talking about documentaries which as i said before i think has become a big thing in the past bigger than it has ever been before Mm -hmm. like now you see a lot of people like actually actively wanting to make documentaries and and uh and uh was it making a murderer really sort of kind
1: of it really did what happened was there was this succession of the serial podcast that dealt with true crime that's correct and that everybody was just absolutely fascinated with this longitudinal uh episodic telling of a podcast instead of a podcast like ours that you can listen to any episode in any order and please do (laughs) Uh, but then after that this making a murderer thing came out um and really told this story in a fascinating way it doesn't give a lot away too quickly it really mm-hmm. takes its time in, in going through this, and so you got two things: you got the fervor of documentaries, and then you have these serialized documentaries that yeah. are really interesting. But I, we're talking about the feature-length ones right here.
0: Yeah. Um. So, I'll I'll, I'll go ahead and start on uh, the uh, recommendations here. Now, one is a, is a super popular one that came out on HBO. It's a series, Paradise Lost, and mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people have seen Paradise Lost. Uh, but it uh, it uh, talks about the West Memphis Three and the the murders that happened. That you know, basically, back in '90s uh, rural Arkansas, uh, were blamed on these kids because everybody believed that they were Satanists, mm-hmm. and uh, and so there are a lot of things that ha- that it, back in the '90s that a lot of these, like as, like especially in Arkansas, they didn't have the the same kind of investigative type of uh, uh material and resources that they do now so a lot of the things that they come up with even in that first movie where they don't even really know who did it or whatever mm-hmm. they, they pretty sure it's not the west members three <laughs> but you know there's you know there you know there's a lot of like horrible things about the crimes that they thought that the that these people did and then you realize oh okay well there's stuff such as wild animals that come mm-hmm. around and whatever but anyway the 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 first di- the first one paradise lost and paradise lost the second one uh you know they're they're just so compelling cuz you know that these kids didn't do this shit but there's everything just keeps it, because there's a political structure that basically says we're right and you're wrong they keep these guys in and they never want to admit that they're wrong and uh, and it took in, it took until 2011 before they finally got it's free. I'm
3: fascinated that you brought this up because I've specifically watched a documentary before this conversation just so I'd have something new to talk about. Mm-hmm. And I watched a documentary called West of Memphis. That's a
0: great one. Yeah,
3: which is about the same exact case. It's the case, same thing, yeah. Although spends a lot more time laying out the evidence for who they think the killer was. Mm-hmm. Uh and then more time about them getting out of jail, the 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 West Memphis three. What's what's fascinating to me about this case is that they had to plead guilty. Yeah. They had to they were in jail for eighteen years for a crime nobody believes they committed. And to get out, they had to because of some weird Arkansas law, they had to basically offer this conditional guilty plea. Really? Yeah. Yeah. All three of them in court said, um, I didn't do this crime, but on the advice of my attorney, I'm gonna take I'm gonna plead guilty. And from what I understand... That's how they get out? Yeah, yeah, because they
0: have to admit... That the reason why they had to admit... This is the reason why this rule's in place. They have to admit it so that they can't sue the state for uh, wrongful imprisonment afterwards. Otherwise, they would have just stayed in. And wow. I think
3: I think when they pled guilty, they didn't know for sure that the judge that day would let them out on time served. It was like... One of those under the table kind of wink promises like the state was kind of saying plead guilty. But I think there was some trepidation there. But one of the dudes wasn't going to do it when they first offered the deal. Mm -hmm. He said, nope. And his family was freaking out because they wanted him out of prison. They wanted to see him again. But he was like, I didn't do the crime. I'm not going to say I did. And I was talking to my wife about this yesterday. I just watched this movie two days ago. And I'm just I'm fascinated by that kind of resolve. Yeah. Imagine being in prison for 18 years for something you didn't do. And you'd rather stay in prison than admit you did it. That's, there's something I admire greatly about that. Oh, you yeah. know, there may be a little insanity to it. There, there's some kind of resolve there. But somebody, somebody got through to him, and he ended the guilty plea. And they all walked out. And Eddie Vedder was there cheering. And-
0: <laughs> yep. Eddie Vedder is a is a big part of those last. Uh, the, the There's a Paradise Lost three that comes out in the same year as the West of Memphis comes okay. out. Okay. Uh, and it's they're both the same thing. It's about how they get out, but um paradise lost the first one sort of goes over all this stuff because you know it's it's a bunch of like headbanger kids man it's just like listening to heavy metal and shit like that and then then it's easy to point the finger at them even though there's no fucking way they did it Mm -hmm. um the first one goes over a lot of that and the second one and then the second one might be considered a bit of an irresponsible documentary because they focus their uh their efforts uh, and this is joe berlinger and bruce noski who did this they uh they eventually not i don't want to tear you, uh, turn you away from these documentaries because of what i'm about to say but they did blair witch book of shadows <laughs> <laughs> um, um, uh, they also did another great documentary called brother's keeper which i'll just just mention and you can go watch it but uh anyway Paradise lost 2 sort of goes over like who they think might have done it and they really cast a lot of suspicion on some people that they shouldn't they don't really have any evidence Mm. now there's a there's a father in in the the father of one of the boys who dies
3: yeah stepfather uh
0: who um who who acts kind of crazy in front of the camera and everything and he and uh and you're like oh my god he's so he so did it he's so crazy he's so like he and he even gave him a knife he gave the directors a knife or something like that and like the directors had to go to the police and say they guy this guy gave us a knife what do you think and uh all that they went through a lot of trouble to go after this one guy and when by the time you watch the third one and west of memphis you realize yeah he's just kind of a Kind of a crazy old dude, well, I don't know. West of Memphis seemed
3: pretty clear to me to be pointing the finger at the stepdad.
0: No, you're talking about another guy, another father, a different father. Yeah, the father that I'm talking about is, is he's he's very outspoken and he and he, uh, they're in in Paradise Lost. The third one it, uh, it shows him laying out the case against the stepdad and everything, oh. which again is almost a bit on the irresponsible side because that the stepdad died so he there's no he has no defense really. They do show some like footage of him uh talking in a deposition because he he stupidly uh I think the Dixie Chicks or somebody like that came out and said something about him and then he, he could have just left it alone and said, the Dixie chicks are wrong because the Dixie chicks were just like <laughs> Dixie chicks were just like Eddie Vedder. Like they were like, they're trying to get the, these guys out of, uh, they, he could have just he could have just said ah fuck it they're wrong or whatever. Instead he sued them for uh for libel oh, or whatever. Jesus. And so he had to he had to do uh, a deposition on whether or not he killed these kids. Uh, yeah. Well, and the
3: west of Memphis goes all in on this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, with interviews of family members that f- told stories of beatings he gave the kid and mm-hmm. rapings of his daughter. And, yes. Um, they found his hair. On one of the bodies at the crime scene. Yeah. Um. And, you know, the, the the three that they locked up, there were so many miscarriages of justice along the way, pieces of evidence that would have helped them look more innocent that they just ignored. Yeah. <laughs> um. And, you know, the evidence, if, I guess, I, this is what troubles me about documentaries in general, is that it is a genre that purports to be truth. Right. Mm-hmm. And if you've heard my recent podcast, Rants About Truth, I don't think it exists, right? Mm -hmm. I only know what I know about the West Memphis case from this documentary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the documentary is telling me these three are innocent and shouldn't have gone to jail. And this guy probably did it. But I don't know what they didn't show me.
0: Yep. Mm -hmm. Right.
3: And you got to figure like most movies, there's a lot of stuff that even more with a documentary that ends up on the cutting room floor that Mm -hmm. doesn't make the case. Michael Moore is the best example uh, I think I have of this in the sense that in that. Was it Bowling for Columbine, the one that was about guns, where yeah. he went to mm-hmm. Charlton Heston's house yep. without an appointment, mm-hmm. and because Heston wouldn't come out and Wait. have discourse well, with no, him? Well, no,
0: he had an appointment. He he went up and asked if he could interview him, and Charlton Heston said yes, and then then he sort of sandbagged him.
3: Yeah, well that's, that's what, the, and I hate that. Yeah, but Michael Moore does it on camera. Mm-hmm. But uh, uh, every documentary has a point of view. Oh yeah, um, they have to, and. So you have to understand that what you're watching is filtered truth. It's some person's version of the truth. Um, Even something like Citizen 24, which is a documentary I'd recommend about Snowden. It's almost all hotel interviews where he's sitting on a bed in Hong Kong. Uh, It's gripping, but I I only I'm only getting what he's telling me. Mm -hmm. Right. And so, you know, I have to make my judgment on whether or not he's telling the truth. And I don't don't really know. I certainly don't know the ins and outs of cybersecurity. So yeah. I just assume, well, he probably, I don't know, he's probably, but I don't know, just like all the documentaries. Sorry, yeah. I got us no, all No, I mean, on
1: their defense is that they're pointing and shooting at what what they see. And the best documentaries are the ones that, that say, alright, here's the point, here's the counterpoint, and not come out on one side or the other. But when it comes to something like West Memphis 3, you have to take a side, I guess. Mm. Like, he, he, Otherwise, it's not going to be as compelling.
0: Well, they, you know, talking, uh, pointing at this truth thing. I mean, the making of a murderer thing mm. was very one sided.
1: Yeah, it was uncomfortably one sided. And to me.
0: and un- I understand at times. I understand taking a side and saying this guy didn't do this. Here's why, but you must absolutely. I believe show what the other side is of this story. They completely cut out evidence of the, in that series. And I, I loved watching it. I watched the entire thing Mm -hmm. because I was very gripped into that whole thing. But then when you start reading about the actual evidence, they have this guy on, you're like, Oh, shit they didn't even mention that in yeah, the documentary. Exactly. that's because that's, that's, in the documentary they, they're showing all this stuff well he couldn't have done it here's here's why and then they'll go to court and everything and then they'll talk to the the family members afterwards and they're like nothing in that courtroom today changed my mind that he's the killer and you're like well what a dickhead for not you know you, you look at the family members and go what dickheads for not believing this you know and then you're like, oh, the yeah. reason why they don't believe it is because of the other evidence that they are shown. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Well, and there's also the, that whole, you know, philosoph- philosophical discussion about whether you can even observe something without changing it. Mm-hmm. And you put a camera down in front of somebody's face to interview them, whether it's a documentary or you're shooting a studio movie. Are they going to be real? Are they going to be? Are they going to turn something on or off for the mm-hmm. camera? Right. Um. And uh, so you know, I I'm I'm always skeptical every time I watch a documentary. I prefer the ones that don't have heroes and villains, like Man on Wire, yeah, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Where I you know I can just you know generally look at one person's retelling of a historical event. Um, but then even King of Kong, mm-hmm. which is fantastic by yeah. the way, um, there's a clear attempt at a hero and villain, um, and you know there's too much he said she said. I don't want I don't want that so much guys I'm not really ever going to believe anybody. another one I really love that I've mentioned a bunch right here. I'm stealing all the thunder um is the hoop dreams. oh yeah, yeah which yeah. again, it, it fo- it's a, it follows two basketball stars from teenage years through their attempts to make it as a basketball play. I think it stretches over four or five years. But again, it's not not asking me to draw a conclusion about heroes and villains right i'm more just watching mm-hmm. these kids grow up and getting used to them and hoping for them and whatnot those are the documentaries i prefer all right one of the ones that i mentioned when we were doing the 2010
1: review is exit through the gift shop mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and nobody is less plugged into the world of street art than i am <laughs> <laughs> i know it's shocking it may, it may be uh, a surprise but uh so banksy has been this folk hero this uh english folk hero for years years and yeah. years um he's done these very detailed very original very distinctive uh street murals um and the way that they do this is fascinating this like uh, they have to wait until a certain hour and they have to do it quickly but they have to do it meticulously and they've got all these crews and they've got everything planned out to the teen especially the great ones mm-hmm. like banksy and shepherd Ferry, who's featured prominently in this too Ooh. this is a terrific film now there's some controversy on whether it's a documentary or not yeah. because it's directed by Banksy. He is such a um, an unpredictable artist that some people are, are thinking that he set this eventual fall guy up uh, as either like an, an alter ego of him or whether it was all just a stunt or anything. Regardless of how you watch this movie, it's really really good. Yes, um, it's it's fascinating because it gets shepherd fairy and it gets banksy involved in telling the story about how street art kind of gained its footing in uh, after the turn of the century and how it's evolved how it's gotten into mainstream culture i think a banksy or or some I, I think a banksy a piece of art just sold for several million dollars just recently jesus um and it's really really cool so it's it's told from the perspective of this guy terry guetta um, who is uh, this rabid documentarian. like he tapes everything from from you know early adulthood on, he's always got a camera on and you know he's got these thousands and thousands of tapes and he follows street artists and he eventually meets Banksy. And as it goes along, he says, well, you know what, I want to be a street artist too. I'm yeah. cool. <laughs> and uh, eventually he co-opts all of the um, OG's uh, characteristics, and opens his own show. This crazy show that has way too much space and way too much publicity. He has this awful nickname for himself, Mr. Brainwash. Yeah. And uh, he he basically purports himself to be one of these people, but he hasn't paid their dues. Or he hasn't paid his dues. And by the end of it, nobody's really even mad at him for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Banksy, who's who's shot like in uh, silhouette because he doesn't want to give away his identity, is just saying like, I don't know. Maybe I, I guess you know. Maybe this is good. Maybe this is what art is now. <laughs> this mm-hmm. guy that's saying like, I don't know. Maybe the joke's on me. Maybe the joke's on. Maybe the joke's on him. Maybe there's just no joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> it's fascinating. It would classically be um, categorized as a documentary, but there's a lot of different layers to it. But it's definitely a recommend.
0: Yeah, definitely. I haven't ah, seen Banks
1: it. Ah, can go suck it.
0: <laughs> I haven't seen it in forever, but yeah, it is one of those documentaries that by the end of it, you're like, whoa, wait a minute, what's what actually went on in yeah. that? You know, there's a lot of people who really don't know whether or not to call it a documentary mm-hmm. but after all that.
1: And even if it's not, it's still, in, in fact, especially if it's not, it's even mm-hmm. more entertaining. That's yeah. why I really, really like the way that this is presented. And the more I kept reading about it, the more I, I liked it from different angles.
0: Yeah. Um. Now we're talking about uh, even-handed and everything like that. The most even-handed documentary I may have ever seen is Capturing the Freedmen's. Mm-hmm. Uh. Now I haven't seen this in forever, so maybe I watched it with you know with a different kind of uh, lens. But uh the the idea is it's this family who they they're being accused of having these like little classes. Uh, with these kids who came over to their house and they are now being accused of sexually abusing them. Uh, The family, the Freedmans, actually sort of let this documentary crew into their lives and they're showing them videos and all this other stuff. They're like really able to get into their lives and everything. Uh, So you get one side of it where they're like, we didn't do this and all that. And then you have the people who are like way older now. And they're like this, they took me into this other room and this happened and they showed me pornography and all this other type of stuff. So you hear that part of it and you're like, Oh, okay, well they must've done it. Then you'll get to some other person who went to those same classes and they're like, it was just like any other computer class that I've ever been to. Hmm. I went there, we took classes, and then everybody went home. I don't know. I didn't see anybody leave the the, the class and go anywhere during the during the entire time I was there. Hmm. And so it, hmm. it the whole time you're just sitting there going, w- did it happen or not?
1: Does it and come out definitively?
0: I can't remember. Actually, I know that makes of this. It. A, man, I know that. No, makes, actually, that's a good bad. reason to watch it. I think that makes uh, uh, that might be bad of me to remember. I I. Think i i think that it does come out and say that yeah they probably did this mm. um but I, I i'll have to watch it again i can't remember because i all i remember watching it was going I, I didn't know if they did it or not they didn't really have it there was no definitive answer or mm. whatever um but the case against them was an, a, apparently strong enough that mm. they you know they had to go through all the trials and everything of it but Uh, That is a fascinating documentary as well. Uh, And I would recommend it, even though it has some pretty uh, heavy subject matter there. I don't think it ever gets to the point of like, oh, I just can't watch this. Mm. It's not like that.
3: So I haven't watched this, but I'm going to bring up a documentary that I I very badly want to watch and haven't been able to bring myself to yet. Mm -hmm. That tickling one.
0: Oh, Oh. me too.
3: Same thing. from what I've read, he didn't realize when he started what kind of a weird world he was gonna find. Because mm-hmm. there's there's a whole underbelly to tickling fetish. Yes. <laughs> no pun intended. No. <laughs> but like criminal like uh intimidation stuff and the trailer
1: like, is crazy enough.
3: <laughs> yeah, and and I think it's gonna be a really uncomfortable watch. But yeah. I'm fascinated by the idea of what it is i just don't know if i I haven't pulled the trigger yet but i'm very curious it's
0: amazing probably how many people you walk amongst that have some sort of weird (laughs) underworld life i think you make a whole documentary about tickling you know that they're i mean we're probably passing those people in the mall somewhere well they
3: just busted a a church in madison that was a sex club no of course it was registered as a church to get away with some tax breaks or something. Really? Yeah, the police raided the thing and and wow. arrested a bunch of people and I'm just like, well, I probably, you know, passed that guy in the aisle at Kroger, you know. You, know <laughs> you, you can go you can go and get carried away with that kind of thing though. If you start kind of wondering about the strangers you pass in life's like secret might be, oh. you'll, come, you'll you'll be like me. You'll come up with a story for every <laughs> single one of your neighbors. Oh, for certain. Like I'm positive that guy across the street from me is a school teacher. But I don't have any evidence. I just have seen him come home at like three o'clock too many times on weekdays, and Mm -hmm. he plays in a band and gives music lessons in the evening and on weekends. So I assume he works at a local school and is the band or music director. Mm. I make up stories for all my neighbors like this. And some of them them have dark stories. (laughs) Not going to (laughs) lie. But they all have fun nicknames. Oh, yeah? I got old man Winter. I got Teen Mom. um, (laughs) And I got Trash Family Robinson. I got Jesus Freaks. Um, yeah. Nicknames for all my- DC Talk lives next yeah, to you? Yeah, absolutely. So these are the only, the only nicknames I use when I'm talking to my wife. I don't actually call these people these names to their face. Yeah, you have to be careful about that i'm uh,
1: sorry again i've gotten us derailed well <laughs> no i think we all want to see that tickling
0: thing well and and i and i still need to see as if we're if we're also bringing up stuff we haven't seen i still need to see all the seven up and 14 up yep. and all those movies michael apton uh did all of these and he's gotten all the way to 56 i, believe. I think so mm-hmm. um and uh and i've heard all of those are just fantastic that's
1: oh gee longitudinal filmmaking right yeah there, man yeah let's like boyhood
3: only on crack yeah exactly
0: um but uh there's a few others that i will mention that i've seen The we were talking about documentary now they also had a takeoff of the thin blue line mm-hmm. uh the thin blue line is is basically it's it's talking to this guy in jail who is accused of this of this crime and he he did not commit it and then there's another guy who they think did it, but he's in a jail for a different crime. Uh-huh. And, uh, and so it's just a bunch of interviews about how, what happened that night? What were they doing? And it was, you know, something about driving to a move, a, a drive in theater. And then like something happened where they were, you know, they, this guy picked up this guy and all It's a lot. It's like a really complex kind of like uh, series of things that happen. Um, the, the Thin Blue Line is really important as far as documentaries are concerned because they actually got that guy out of jail because of, mm-hmm. of the documentary wow. <laughs> because the dude that they have for another crime sits there and like basically admits what yeah. he did um, of course you know documentary now takes a great take- look at this <laughs> uh, uh, Fred Armisen plays the guy who didn't do it and he's just like okay with it you know, like, <laughs> you know, you know hey. yeah you know it happens sometimes <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, but the, the guy who actually did it? You know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so funny that by the end of it, they're like, they're like, uh, yeah, uh, you're totally gonna go to jail for for this crime now. Why? Oh, uh, because of all those things I said. Right? <laughs> um, what else is there? Anything else? Um, I just uh I would probably
3: mention my love for March of the Penguins. Oh yeah, <clears throat> which uh I don't think has too much of an agenda. <laughs> <laughs> I like that you know Morgan Freeman narration, uh, and I like a- animals and penguins. No, I mean those those are fun.
1: Like the ones that, that don't have any agendas whatsoever. One of my favorites is Jiro Dreams of Sushi.
3: Oh yeah, that's great.
1: Um and this it's this wonderful uh sushi chef. And of course in documentary now they also do a parody of this called mm-hmm. Juan Likes Chicken and Rice. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's much more, and it's it's ripe for parody. That might
0: be their funniest one. Oh, absolutely. That might be their funniest. Oh, one I mean, they they travel.
1: It's in the middle of like a rainforest. And yeah. People have to travel. <laughs> it's these hamster couples that are like traveling for six days to get to this thing and all they serve is chicken and rice <laughs> <laughs> but each grain is is picked out specifically yeah, yeah. and like they have to bury it and yeah. like smack it against the tree <laughs> yeah. and shit like that but Hero Dreams of Sushi is kind of that way he's got this the most exclusive sushi restaurant in the entire world in Tokyo and he is he's meticulous everything about this from the rice from the fish the quality that he he, uh demands and you know the way that it's done is just impeccable it's like at the top level and people it, it, the, the restaurant only seats like 10 people yep. with that and the documentary have you seen this yeah, the, yeah. the documentary goes about him trying to train his son to do this mm-hmm. and to uh, one of his sons he's got another son that opened another restaurant and it puts a lot of pressure on him and you know you could see this this man's drive for perfection and then his son's kind of quest to do the same thing even though he he doesn't have the innate talents uh it's really really fascinating yeah it's great and definitely watch the documentary now version of it too it's i'll be doing that
3: awesome. this evening yeah
0: yes. hero dreams of sushi uh is one of those that you're very hungry watching it yes and you it are it makes everything look so amazing in that and you're talking about like the the how much he goes through and everything. They show going to the market and making sure mm-hmm. that they're getting the right fish and everything and there's like these exacting standards. Uh there's there's something fascinating and something interesting and entertaining about watching, I don't know, perfectionism mm-hmm. being shown that way. Uh and he's not an
1: asshole. No. He's not shown as like a Gordon Ramsey type, even that exaggerated thing. He is just focused. Yeah. He's hyper focused and he's like, you know, this is this is how it's going to be if you're going to get a, a piece of nigiri from me then it's going to be like this mm-hmm. and it, it is fascinating to see what kind of standards you can set for something as simple as sushi you know?
0: yeah alright so you're going to do some uh, Q&A
1: let's do some Q&A
0: Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the
1: truth. I am listening. Okay, here's a listener question. Do you have any film critics you respect more who seem to recommend according to your tastes, or who gives enough just info uh, to make a review useful but not spoiler laden?
0: Man, I don't read critics anymore.
1: That's that's a change, isn't it?
0: Yeah. We I all mean, used
1: to to read,
0: right? Um. Eh, i i've mentioned jim ridley before i used to read a lot of his stuff in nashville scene even though i went away from that after a while too though I, I i mean i loved reading his reviews uh but a lot of the times it was because i was at a theater that just happened to get nashville scenes in and i would like oh what, what do they say about, <laughs> yeah they're free and you're like oh yeah what, what do they say about these movies and everything uh and and so it was always interesting to read those, um, but over the over time, I have I just don't have anybody that I that I read anymore. Um, I used to have fun going to Rotten Tomatoes and reading the Armin White stuff. I think we brought up Armin <laughs> yeah. White before, uh, who who's obviously the designated critic troll on yeah. the internet. <laughs> uh, I would always read those for fun, but obviously no respect for whatever he said about any movie. <laughs> Um, and there really isn't anybody anymore. Like I used to watch the Siskel and Ebert show whenever it would come on. Uh, and you know, obviously they have passed on. Uh, and, um, I used to, I used to read the Ebert site Mm -hmm. when he used to write for that and everything. And he used to read that. So, I mean, those, those were the ones, but as of now, nobody. Well, and that's because for the most part.
3: Rotten Tomatoes does a good job if you Mm -hmm. know how to look for and interpret the right numbers. I'd rather get an amalgamated review that way and tell me how many liked it or didn't. And then tell me out of those who liked it, the average rating was this out of 10. Um, Has consistently provided me uh, good advice. Mm -hmm. And I I don't really want to go to any one source anymore anymore. To read Back in the day, pre-internet days, I used to read the USA Today reviews all the time or the Entertainment Weekly reviews. Um, But, you know, now it's much more instant. There's a lot more data. But I'm going to win some points and say Aaron Dicer Right? Now, here's... Very good. Not just because he's my friend um, and and he does reviews on YouTube, your movie friend, and he does reviews on television in his Springfield, Missouri market every Saturday. Mm -hmm. Um, His YouTube reviews... Here's why I like Aaron. He doesn't spoil the movie. And he doesn't tell you whether or not you're going to love it. Yeah. He gives you five things about this movie that you may want to know going in. Um, But maybe the best thing about him is that he does not feel compelled to be loud and showy and ebullient and like... You know, some of those YouTuber viewers will be like, this movie is awesome. Yeah, like things on the screen yeah, flash and up. Like, or, uh, yeah. Aaron will be like, I really enjoyed this. Yeah. I, th- and, <clears throat> you know, because he and I have known each other so long, I know his taste uh, much the way I do with Chris. I would a recommend from Aaron is going to get me to watch just mm-hmm. like a recommend from Chris would. Um, so for me personally, um, and I don't, I don't go to the theater a lot anymore. Um, but when I'm trying to decide if I want to see something in the theater or wait or what have you I'll go watch one of his reviews because he's not going to ruin the movie for me he's not going to give me bullshit pumped up emotion <laughs> uh fanboyism um pretty even-keeled guy so yeah.
1: what I like about those things is he'll he'll give positive and negatives and the the mediocre things yeah. and we'll say like he if something in fact I just watched the Pirates of the Caribbean one that he he released oh, last week Dead Men Tell week. No Tales yeah and he he was really trying to find something in fact at the beginning of it he says like you know this is a bad movie but i'm going to end up defending it (laughs) (laughs) and he found like you know some bad stuff in there and some stuff that he liked and it is very even-handed i like it i would say that a.a dowd for the av club Mm -hmm. is one of my favorites now just because he writes and actually a lot of the av club movie critics are Pretty even handed and pretty they, they write really well. And that's what I want to read. This is why I really liked reading Chris's uh, site when he was reviewing movies in New York. If you write really well, if you have like good prose and you, you're able to communicate what what this movie is. Um, and then I can make up my mind mm-hmm. of whether I want to see it. That's
3: important to me. Instead well, and of just I think that's rare. Catchphrases. Yeah. That's why you would mention Jim Ridley of the scene. That's why I liked reading his reviews because I actually didn't agree with him very often, but mm-hmm. his, his prose was so awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and most people, I think, when they have that kind of writing talent, they see film reviews as some kind of a stepping stone to a greater literary career mm-hmm. or they want to write novels or journalism or what have you uh so i think it's pretty rare for somebody to be that articulate uh that good of a writer so. yeah just want
0: to be a movie critic well yeah. and i think also the reason this is the other sort of hidden reason why i don't read critics anymore was that because yes i was writing my own reviews for the longest of time on two different sites for mm. like i was, it was 2002 to about 2013 that yeah. I wrote uh, reviews there. I made a really big point not to read anybody else's before I went in. I wanted, if I liked something and I wrote about it, I wanted it to be the true feeling I had about it. That's why I like you. If you find this ever lady in the water has a great review. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, uh and like, I, you know, because it was the way I felt about it and everything. And of course, it was only after I wrote it and published it that I went to Rotten Tomatoes and looked to see it. And usually I was like within the you know, the, the consensus on mm. that. But occasionally there would be ones that I wasn't. And I was like, oh, okay, good. Well, that's my different voice on this one. Mm. And I'm not being a troll either. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. You know? um, I didn't take a look and see what everybody else was saying <laughs> and decided to go the opposite way. <laughs> um but uh that's the other reason and and especially now when we're in the cinema sins mode and Mm -hmm. everything i don't want to read what other people say about a movie before we get into it Mm -hmm. um i want to just be able to go into that completely organically
1: Yep. all right all right next question from the same listener oh he gave us a two-parter a two-parter uh are there any movies that affected you more strongly just by coincidence with what was going on in your life uh, for example, this person saw a big fish during a time when his father was losing his battle with cancer. Yes. They couldn't rewatch that again for a decade. Mm-hmm. Understandable about that. Um, what do you guys think?
0: You know, there, I don't know if there's ever been anything where I've like been aff- affected um, emotionally. I was going through some things at the time or whatever and, and that, that movie sort of tapped into it. I do know that back in high school, Uh, as a junior in high school i was trying to get into this i don't know it was some sort of club for nerds basically um and um and and it was almost like college because you had to do some embarrassing shit to get Mm. into this club and and really honestly looking back at it i don't even remember the name of the fucking club (laughs) uh why did we even bother doing all this type of shit but you know what it's almost like a holiday in high school where you get to go around and people the seniors sit there and tell you Uh, do this really embarrassing shit and you do it and you know it's like hey it's a sanctioned thing in high school for me to do this right now i had to like get up in front of the cafeteria and sing a song i had to like uh rub one of the teacher's bald heads and say (laughs) oh so smooth or some shit like that i had to do a lot of this nutty weird shit the night before uh, this was all set to happen I watched the movie dazed and confused and, oh. <laughs> uh, in in the theater um and dazed and confused has a whole like hazing section at mm-hmm. the very beginning of it where the incoming freshmen the the girls and the guys have their own thing the guys of course it's they're getting paddled. Yeah. Uh, and with the girls, it's like all this humiliating, like, you know, uh, have a pacifier in their mouths and like getting mustard sprayed on them and like, you know, all this other type of stuff. And they have to like, you know, do this air raid shit and everything. So I was sitting there watching it and I was like, I was like, you know what? This is probably way worse than what I have to do tomorrow. I I feel completely okay about what I have to do tomorrow with this, all this shit. So that's my answer to that question.
3: Um, My answer is going to be interview with a vampire because I'm actually a 300 year old vampire who's so tired of living. (laughs) And so when I saw this movie connected to me, on such a personal level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You Mm -hmm. think the joke is over now?
0: (laughs) It might be. Um, Keep going.
3: (laughs) I have talked before about my Bridges of Madison County experience because my girlfriend in college cheated on me. Mm -hmm. We decided to try and make it work. Just happened to be the weekend we were supposed to go back to my parents' house in Indiana for a get together. They'd never met her. I think it might have even been my birthday. (laughs) Anyway, so we're having this entire, it's a three and a half hour drive. We're in the car together. Awkward. Yeah, <laughs> we get to my parents' house, even more awkward. We, let's run a movie, so we end up we end up on Bridges of Madison County because nobody, and all the people who raved about this movie, nobody ever told me it was an infidelity movie. <laughs> and so, you know, sitting right next to the infidelity girl watching the infidelity movie, it was one of the most miserable experiences of my life. I would life. say so. <laughs> By Fidelity the way, there's girl. this great part in In and Out. Uh, the Kevin Klein movie mm-hmm. after he walks away from his wedding where his mom and all her old bitty friends are sitting around in the reception hall and they start sharing secrets and and it feel, begins to feel good like my husband only has one, one testicle mm-hmm. and, uh, it's gross stuff like that but anyway one of the lady's secrets is I hated the Bridges of Madison County. <laughs> there, I said it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm with her. Um, so I'll go with that. That's my best answer, I think. Yeah, I talked, a I told one. the story a little bit, but uh, you know, had I seen that movie in any other circumstance, it would have been a completely different experience. Yeah. so Might have even liked it.
1: Mm-hmm. Mine is a shitty movie. I think it's a shitty movie. City of Angels. Oh, that's a mm-hmm. shitty movie. That's a pretty shitty movie. And it's shitty... got
0: that great Goo Goo Doll song, though.
1: Yeah, Which Iris. Which one is it? Oh,
0: because I don't want yeah. the way to see <laughs> That me. one, yes.
1: Fuck Goo Goo Dolls. That's
3: a remake. Really? The City of Angels.
0: Yeah. Oh, the, a, no, I Vendor's. thought you meant
1: uh, the Goo Goo Dolls. Oh, sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> no.
3: Sorry, sorry. No, Goo Goo yeah. Dolls shit is all original, baby.
1: Well, all right. So I had just broken up with, before I met my wife, like the love of my life. Mm-hmm. And I loved this girl. And we parted. Pretty much amicably, meaning that she was fine and I was a fucking wreck. <laughs> and, man, so so I was living by myself at the time. It's 1999. I pick up a VHS copy of City of Angels.
0: Oh, Jesus.
1: And so I put this sucker in and it's fine. It's about angels and Nicolas Cage falling in love with Meg Ryan and everything. And it's got nice imagery and everything. Pretty pedantic story. But then when she dies at the end, man... Like, there's a level of crying that I hit mm-hmm. that night that I have very rarely hit before mm-hmm. I had to go outside <laughs> yeah. wow
3: so the neighbors could hear <laughs> yeah, I guess <laughs>
1: yeah. I was like steadying myself on the brick wall snot and drool just coming oh, down. Face. poor Baron wow. oh it was so because I was like he loved her so much yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I'm thinking about my ex-girlfriend it was horrible <laughs> I could not, I literally could not watch that movie for like another five years yeah. not that I would want to But if it came on, I would just avoid it like the plague.
3: Oh, that's hilarious! Oh
1: my god, that was just that was gross. It was just a gross display Mm -hmm. of humanity. Oh yeah, but uh, yeah, that's that's a good good answer. All right, we'll do one more here. Uh, I love your podcasts.
0: Thank you. Thank you.
1: I love yours. Yeah, (laughs) Uh, I listen every week. Well, that's terrific. Um, I watched Whiplash based on your recommendation and Ooh, I was blown away. Damn right. Awesome. My heart was racing half of the time. What about the other half? Uh, I was not expecting what the film ended up being, mo- mainly because I watched La La Land first. With that in mind, what movie were you expecting to be ending up surprising you mm-hmm. or turned out to be something completely different? Ah, yes. I feel like I a, a whole new appreciation of Jeremy. we trying to pronounce our... Shit. damn right bitch
0: um i don't i'm still gonna write some shit for him um no uh uh this is a good one because tootsie was mm-hmm. what uh was a movie that i felt like i knew what i was going to get into because of mrs doubtfire yeah and 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 mrs doubtfire i don't even remember if i liked that movie or not <laughs> i was 16 when it came out i watched it i like robin williams i probably did like that movie yeah hell funny. i liked fucking patch adams because of robin <laughs> williams um so yeah i probably like mrs doubtfire and everything but uh, you know there was this movie tootsie that came out in 1982 that i was like uh, do i ever need to really watch that i mean isn't it the same kind of deal and <laughs> everything Finally, I was like, all right, I'm going to watch this. And it is great. Yeah. It is a great movie and uh, has a lot to say about gender politics. And I think even Dustin Hoffman came out and said that this is my favorite movie I've ever done because it really taught me a lot about how women are treated Hmm. and everything. Because he would, you know, Dustin Hoffman, he went out in that outfit (laughs) and got, you know, he tried to see if the illusion would work. And he realized that, you know, it's kind of fucked up how people, how women are treated and everything.
3: (laughs) I actually saw a headline on Reddit. I didn't read the article, but it was on the Today I Learned subreddit yesterday that said, Today I Learned Dustin Hoffman cried when he found out he was unattractive as a woman Mm -hmm. while filming Tootsie. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Takes his craft seriously. Must
1: have just watched City of Angels. Yeah, he probably <laughs> did.
2: He did. <laughs> probably did.
0: Probably did. Um, but uh, yeah, it's a uh, it's one of those that I, you watch it and it's like, oh, it's it's funny and it, and it but it's a lot. It's got some serious stuff to it too, and it's got it's got a lot to say. So, mm-hmm. um, I was really surprised by that.
3: Cool. Uh, I'm going to go with Wreck It Ralph. I ah. could go a number of directions here, but when I saw the trailer for Wreck It Ralph, I got the feeling. Similar to the one I got when I saw the trailer for Adam Sandler's Pixels. <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh, boy. Video games are alive. Another Toy Story ripoff. Mm-hmm. We're going to go. In. Plus, the trailer did not reveal that he spends most of the movie in that one game and made it look like he was going to hop around to dozens of different games. And mm. it felt to me more like, oh, here comes the cameo squad. I see you there, Kubert. I see, you know, so and so. Um I didn't even watch it in theaters. That's how sure I was I was going to hate it. And I think my wife brought it home and said, you want to watch this? And I was like, we both fell in love with it instantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how you couldn't if you actually watched it. But very similar to my Matrix experience. The Matrix trailer made me laugh, and then I fell in love with the movie. Yeah. But the trailer for Wreck-It-Roth hit me at a time where I think I was just weary of shit like Tetris movie announced and, you know, emoji movie and all that bullshit. Um and I was not having it, but the the movie turned out to be awesome. You
0: have so many great voices in that too. John C. Riley just I think he immediately gets you into that movie with the little narration thing yep. that starts off at the beginning. And Sarah Silverman, uh, who we only really sort of knew as this, you know, sort of raunch comic or mm-hmm. whatever like that, does this sweet little yep. girl in the in the in the movie and yeah, it's really like way more entertaining than I thought it was going to be yeah, too. too.
1: Yeah, another misleading trailer. I think is the Green Mile. Okay, um, I went into this. I don't, I didn't know much about it. I went into this um, not having read the Stephen King. It's a, a novella that it's based mm-hmm. on. Yeah, so, he
0: came out with uh, like chapters, like every month or something like that.
1: Oh, that's how. And how then, that it, came then about. it
0: finally like was one big book.
1: That's interesting because it almost feels like that because you go through this and it's a really compelling drama about death row inmates and the guards that have to watch them, led by uh, Tom Hanks. And it's it's just a great character-driven drama, but then it introduces this supernatural element to it that took me by surprise. Mm-hmm. Now, it works. I, it's awesome. And it's emotionally, Jesus Christ, you talk about crying at the end of a movie. It's an emotional whammy. At the end, and it and the supernatural part of it makes it even whammier. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, but uh, I was not expecting that. As a matter of fact, the first time that they show John Coffey's uh, abilities, it was shocking. It almost took me out of the movie, but then it, it grounds it because Michael Clark Duncan's performance really so is good. something. Talk about unexpected! His yeah. performance yeah. just came out of nowhere. Mm-hmm. We'd seen him in the whole nine yards. We'd seen him in uh, you know just as the big. You, yeah, the, the thug almost yeah. before The Enforcer and seeing this performance was just it, it blew my socks off.
0: Oh yeah. So yeah. that
1: was an unexpected one. That's a good call. Yeah. Good call. Should yeah, we... we're good. We're yeah, awesome. Sure. Yeah. We are having a good time. <laughs> How do you think older movies would have done in the March Madness movies uh, bracket challenge that we just finished? A you few... think that's a short
3: one? Yeah. We could well, do a whole goddamn episode on that topic. Oh, that's no, we good. can answer it. Yeah. I'm just I'm just telling you we may still want to thumb tack that and come back to it we don't we
0: don't have to go too deep into into it i mean i I mean what is it what did these old movies how how would they play in this room is Mm -hmm. really how that would how how that would go down and for me personally i think that because a lot of my movies movie knowledge comes from 1970 and forward Mm mm-hmm And I love classics and everything, but man, almost every classic you watch has something dated about it. It's just, it's either, it's because, um, they couldn't do certain things. They didn't have the right effects Though everything was like la dee, da dee, da, no (laughs) darkness, really not much darkness. And there was occasionally some darkness, but, um, that when they go up against movies that have the advantage like I sit there and I think about what would Citizen Kane do against Pulp Fiction. Well, Pulp mm-hmm. Fiction wins. Sorry.
1: Interesting.
0: And and uh, and it's because and it's not because Citizen Kane isn't great and doesn't deserve its praise. It's just that given the two movies in front of me, which one am I going to watch more out of that? Yeah, out of those two. It's always going to be Pulp Fiction. Mm-hmm. Now there are some others in the old days, like Casablanca and stuff mm-hmm. like that. I think Casablanca could have had a chance to maybe get farther than than some movies, but eventually it's going to run into one of those, you know, like one of those movies from like you know, uh, the '90s or whatever that we kind of are maybe tad bit biased for. Mm-hmm. That was right um, in our wheelhouse, right? And um, and I don't know how far Citizen Kane or I think I think those movies would run up against Children of Men, and Children of Men would would vanquish them yeah. easily.
3: I think Godfather is really the only thing that would have had a chance to contend. Mm-hmm. But I think I told you in email I'm not even as big on that as you guys are. Mm-hmm. I don't hate it. I think it's great, but I don't think it's God seeming great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what made that better—the phrase "God semen" or the thing I did with my hands beforehand. That suggested God had a leg-sized dick. Of course he does. This is how you get the God semen.
0: Oh, it's way bigger than that, guys. That's blasphemous. And um. Godfather came on
1: TV the other night, and I had to pry myself away from the TV. Yeah, it—I it has that sort of pull for me.
3: I, I just I can't mean, get enough. Uh, now, if I can catch that chronological version oh it's the saga oh. i prefer that greatly oh, it's yeah so good uh too which is I, so I, weird the, the we all three like that
1: and that was
3: like critically panned uh, i think true godfather ha- fans hate that yeah but i i it made it better for me I think it's fire made it
2: good i think
0: it's awesome too <laughs> no there's just a th- there's just a thing that happened in the late 60s when they started taking the shackles off and everything And there you can you can look at it two ways some movies are better back in the day because they were able to wink, wink some things that they couldn't say, mm-hmm. and it's and it's fun to kind of like look into it that way and everything. But then again, there's some movies that were able to say the things that they couldn't say in this in this time period. That it was such a relief to finally be able to hear somebody say "fuck," mm-hmm. you know, and everything. When you, you better d-
2: look out because I'm yeah, yeah, gonna say yeah, "fuck." Exactly. You better <laughs> watch out because I'm going
0: say- <laughs> that is correct ben folds um but uh but but yeah i think there's some sort certain edge that those movies have over the the movies from way back in the day Mm -hmm. and it's just that's just the way it is and now there are some uh that i would give different considerations to for different things citizen kane because of its ingenuity of Mm -hmm. course is going to maybe it's going to muscle past some other movies that i like better um movies like the third man and mm. stuff like that that have all this awesome photography and like the cabinet of dr caligari mm. and all these are have their like things that about them that are great but on the whole do i say that movie's better than you know the matrix or something like that like yeah. I mean, yeah, legend, like it's got 70 years of legendary, yeah. you know, status. Of course that has a chance, but I think those movies would have fallen by the wayside pretty quickly. That's interesting.
3: I think something like Psycho
0: now could hold up. That's just my opinion of what this room would have. No, sure. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. sure.
3: And also, again, I, I would hinder you there. I'm not a big Psycho guy. Really? I think Rear Window is way better.
0: Oh, oh yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah, Going yeah, yeah. for
3: the same thing.
0: Now, yeah, and yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. now, there's a, I mean, there's a, Rear Window. Yep. Uh, that would have had a that would have a lot of pull for yeah that's one of my favorites of all time yeah i love it Uh, of all time of all time it's my favorite Um, it's yeah and and you you stick stuff like that in there for sure those have have a chance to beat some of these that whatever i think we're i think maybe i'm thinking a little bit too much about the ones that people consider all the greatest Mm -hmm. of all time like citizen kane and so like like there's some movies that are considered the greatest of all time. I I just didn't get it. like Doctor Zhivago. Oh like God, that. bore me with a spoon. <laughs> exactly
3: right. Jesus Christ, it's like four hours long. I was the, of same, the guy walking across snow. I
0: was the same <laughs> way. I was like, oh, I'm gonna finally watch this movie that I've been hurt. I've he- been hearing about for so long. And then yeah, I watched it, and I was like, "Wait a minute, why do we consider that a classic?" It's I don't long. know.
3: I fucking hated it. Oh, but it made you know me angry. What?
0: We probably to some people we sound like you know inconsiderate dicks for that movie, but that's exactly what we're talking about. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly. You know, so it like, <laughs> it's like in this room, how does that movie play? With ten thousand people, it's going to play a different way, and and it'll go a different way. So, that's what I think. What yes. about with ten thousand maniacs? what the natalie merchant band
3: yeah i was just trying to make a stupid <laughs>
0: reference all right uh that'll do it for this week keep going to soundcloud and giving us your thoughts yeah that's all we have to say that's about it. that uh, uh, yeah um, nothing yeah. yeah yeah man um but yeah keep going to soundcloud giving us your comments we are enjoying reading those and uh that'll be it for this week it's chris atkins and jeremy scott and barrett sherrill we'll see you next time
1: thanks for listening comment on our episodes on our soundcloud page Check us out on YouTube,
0: Twitter, Facebook,
1: and Reddit. And be sure to visit CinemaSins.com.
0: How'd you go that route this time huh huh not saying anything after the sound I, I
1: literally my brain just went <laughs> blank. <for laughs> that's, that's what second. it's looked like <laughs> i was like i'm gonna lean into something <laughs> now like, yeah,
0: guys, uh, blah. <laughs> the pretty cool shirts oh uh, they're awesome yeah, yeah. uh I, I i don't know the a lot of the ones i don't like wearing the lap dance one yeah, I don't either. <laughs> um,
3: I do wear it under other shirts sometimes, right. but it's it weird looks. I, I I do not
0: want to just go out in public with that shit. And the the other one is is fine, whether just the normal logo and everything like that. But now I've worn it so much, you can see like the you know some of it peeling off. You Can see your nipples. Can see your nipples. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs>
3: um, you do you do want your nipples to show in certain circumstances. <laughs> you do. Hey, I saw I finally saw Edge
1: of Seventeen. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man. I don't know if I really liked that movie. Oh, wow. It was a lot sadder than I thought it was going to be. It's not a straight comedy. No, it's not even all that funny, except in certain places.
3: I think it has lots of laughs, but it's much more dramedy than, you know, something like Easy A, which is just going for straight comedy. Yeah. But she's great, right? She's Mm -hmm. terrific, man. Mm -hmm. And
1: uh, I think... When we were talking about this earlier, you said that the some of the character transitions you didn't buy. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about her friend who mm-hmm. like just jumps ship and becomes this normal person mm-hmm. and, and like in a relationship immediately? Did I talk about character transitions
0: in that movie? I think it was that one because I did talk about. Char- oh
1: no, you were talking about uh, that uh, colossal. Yes, I got I got it confused, but I didn't I didn't buy the best friend just completely fucking her brother. Well, I didn't – that's a thing that could happen, I guess. But then, like, she goes off into this other social circle, like, the next day. Yeah, it was pretty immediate. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, she wasn't, like, sort of, like, uh, you know, slowly introduced to everybody. Mm-hmm. It was just sort of like, well, I'm a popular yeah, kid a, now.
1: Yeah, they went to a party. She's like, I'm going to play beer pong.
2: And then that's it. She's yeah. gone forever.
0: That's that, uh, that's that same chick. I think Haley Lou Richardson, who's in Split.
1: Oh, she's clear, right? Yeah. Yeah. She's same girl. Yeah, she's cute. She is. Haley Steinfeld, of course, is like the most attractive. Oh yeah, every uh, single not friendless best.
0: person. Every ever. single one of those movies, man, they get these just incredibly uh, beautiful girls to be like, oh yeah, yeah, people, yeah. She, she's she's not. Popular. She's got
1: an ugly. Jacket on. She's right. weird. Hate well, her. She's got a ponytail and glasses, as
0: we've always <laughs> referred to with the "not another teen movie" man. Like she's all that is probably the most egregious. Yeah. Rachel yeah, Lee they Cook. Don't,
3: they don't even acknowledge it. Rachel Lee Cook. Holy shit! Yeah. I
0: mean, she's Let's would... just
3: put some nerd glasses on her and make her a, a moody artist. Yeah. And that'll. Do, and oh, her dad's a pool cleaner. Right. So, but you know what? if you're that beautiful you're still one of the most popular girls in school it doesn't matter what your dad does that is correct yeah i remember high school pretty clearly on this
0: it's the same i mean it's the same (laughs) thing with 10 things i hate about you with julia styles yeah and uh you know it's like she's angry and feminist well there's that big really unbelievable montage where they're trying to set her up well they're unbeknownst to her I, i didn't know how this was ever gonna work but like they kept asking all these dudes, I guess, whether they date her or not, yeah. and it was like horror. Like there was the one guy who's like a total doofus who's like like screams when you, <laughs> like like you would be only so lucky, dude. And yeah. and of course, she's not going to go out with you anyways. You don't have anything to worry about.
3: By the way, that Super Friends, what's up? Outtake is the favorite thing I've ever made in my life. <laughs> as soon as I got that idea, I basically woke up and had that idea before I got out of bed. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, that old Super Friends video that yeah. took that what's up thing. I got to uh-huh. do that as an outtake. Uh, and then, I mean, you know, I probably could have spent another hour on it and tightened it up a little bit. But just having them all do it right when they crash into the museum, yeah. I just thought it was perfect. God. It yeah. keeps going Yo, to different shots. It's <laughs> yeah. just all and Yeah. Yo, what's up.
1: <laughs>
2: Batman
3: uh, gets two of them one when he crashes in and one when he close up on his face what's that yeah, that, that, that movie seems weird it's weird and so what's funny is that I called it obscure and I'm getting roasted for that even though I literally had never heard about this movie in my life it's but, not obscure it, well it it isn't to people who love it huh. and apparently in, if you're a fan of those animated superhero movies Marvel or DC this is one of the ones people love the most huh now I just, I don't know anything about that world. I don't, this is not a movie I think that even released in theaters. I think nope. it was probably just straight to video. It's all
0: like those Batman movies they come out with. Right. The animated cartoons. They're they're all the same sort of deal.
3: So anyway, I had never heard of it. I think it's pretty fucking obscure. It's weird. <laughs> it's really weird because like we say in the Sins video, it's basically just an excuse to change every character in yeah. some drastic way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I guess that is fun if you have watched all these other movies and you're more used to, I don't know, I didn't see it as fun. I saw it as pointless. I wrote a sin that I I think I ended up cutting that said... Um, why should I care about any of this shit when I know all the all these heroes are normal are normal and fine back in the real reality after this is all wrapped up or something like yeah. that? Like well, we did the have, stakes are all meaningless. We did
0: have one in there though that sort of addressed that point. I think you're right, yeah. Because it was it was talking about how all these characters are dying and they're like, Well, mm-hmm. there's just you know uh you you get a chance to kill all it's like Twilight Breaking Dawn. Mm-hmm. You get a chance yeah. to kill all the characters, but mm-hmm. then because there's a you know a time travel or something like that they you know none of it matters really yeah, yeah the first that's time I
3: saw that twilight movie that pissed me off mm. and i wasn't invested in this series <laughs> or anything i think i was just watching it with my wife because she liked them or whatever
0: well but i it, got to
3: the end of that and i was like what the fuck
0: it goes on forever it <laughs> does it's like it, 45 minutes and it doesn't matter
3: no it's all it's all They're in like, her head or it his head. wouldn't
0: it be cool if we did this and then turned it on its head and showed that it didn't really happen, we get both endings that way.
3: See, Galaxy Quest did it right, right? They Mm -hmm. give you that, but it only takes like three minutes to wrap all that up. You Mm -hmm. get to see Saris come in and start shooting and whatever, and then he hits the Omega-13 and wraps it all. They didn't spend 45 minutes on... This shit making, I, making me think it was real. No.
0: I tell you what, though. Tim Allen waiting 45 seconds to hit that button pisses yeah. me yeah, off Yeah, I every agree. Single it takes time. forever. I, don't, I think
3: that's the director, not Tim <laughs> oh, Allen. Oh, it's definitely,
0: it's definitely the director, but he's got that look on his face like, I should hit the button. You think I should hit the button? I think I'm going to hit the button. <laughs> <laughs>
1: All right, I'm going to start off with this. I'm going to read the whole thing, and we'll see if I need to switch it down here. A couple of questions that I expect have already... Fuck, never mind. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of questions from one listener. One, do you have any film critics you respect more who seem to recommend according to your tastes or who just gives enough info uh, in the review useful but not spoiler-laden? That's the first question. and We'll tailgate it with the second question. Are there any movies that affected you more strongly? Sorry, let's just do it one at a time all right it it, it just they're they're too divergent it doesn't make sense i can't do two questions at once damn it jesus christ i was not expecting what the film ended up mainly i I was not (laughs) (laughs) expecting so weirdly worded question